recita l'arco la 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 resto batega che le già resto la 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 Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we're trying to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently by watching each and every Sylvester Stallone movie. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keenan. and today we're discussing Oscar, released by Touchstone Pictures on April 26, 1991, starring Sylvester Stallone, Ornella Muti, Donna Michi, Peter Riegert, Tim Curry, Vincent Spano, Marissa Tomei, Eddie Bracken, Linda Gray, Chaz Palminteri, Kurtwood Smith, and Kirk Douglas. Screenplay by Michael Barry and Jim Mulholland, based on the play by Claude Magner, I guess. Directed by Michael Land, or sorry, not Michael Landis, John Landis. <laughs> Highway to Heaven. <laughs> Those are different people. <laughs> I looked up from my. This is how bad my brain is with names. I read John Landis and I looked up as and I said me. it, and yeah, I guess maybe that's why. And I guess I'm thinking Michael Landon actually technically, is, yeah, not well, Michael Landis. I think that's what my brain also did, but yes, John Landis. All right, so this was not my pick. This was yours, uh, was. Oscar. Um, what did you think? I kind of love this movie. Really? Yes. Oh, my God. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I think I know what your opinion is because you seem very shocked by this. God. Honestly, I'm not sure. if uh, Of all of the movies we've watched, I don't think I would have ever guessed that that is what your reaction to th- that this movie would pair up with those thoughts. Why is that? I don't because know. Because of me or because of the movie? Like, no, it's just, I don't know. Well, I, I, all of the above. Okay. How about a little from column A and a little from column B? I take it you did not care for this movie then? I didn't hate this movie, but I don't think it's a good movie either. It's so old-fashioned, which is, I think, the thing. It took me a while to link up with what this movie was trying to do. It's like an old-fashioned farce. It, it reminded me of like a Marx Brothers movie. It's got that, but I mean, it's it's a the problem is it's a play. I mean, it, yes, it's a it's a play that's and for the most part, I will let me let me take a step back. I'm not a huge fan of film adaptations of plays in general. The only asterisk to that is I have enjoyed a lot of the mammoth adaptations of mammoth plays in the movies. Outside of that, generally, I'm not a fan. Yeah, it's very theatrical, and it's it's not. Uh, it doesn't try to open up this into a bigger, grander movie. It, it, no, it's, essentially, it takes place all in one in one morning in one location. Technically, there are two days, but for the most part, ninety five percent of this movie is one day, one well, location. Technically, three because there's the prologue with Kirk Douglas, and that's then, what I was thinking of, and I forgot the end. So you're right. So it's you, well, presumably to, the wedding is a different day. Yes, ninety two percent. One day, one location. It's very theatrical in that way that it's kind of in real time in a way that a play would be. If you were watching this all, you know, unfurl on a stage, you know, it would feel like we're just watching things happen in real time. Um, Because obviously in a play, you can't cut the camera or do kind of dissolve to, you know, meanwhile elsewhere. You can't do any of that stuff. So, And this movie doesn't try to change that structure. I assume that this is very true to the play because it feels like a play. It feels like you're watching. Yeah. And and but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it was so stylized, and so old, so old fashioned. And it's strange to see Stallone in this very old fashioned thing. I remember when we did the Muppet episode and talking about how he seemed so out of place when he did that old uh, like Prohibition era song or whatever it was. He was just getting ready for Oscar, apparently. Maybe yeah. I guess he did. He kept his wardrobe from the seventies. Um, actually, no, it was it was very different. Uh, but the, no, I I I thought. He, 
all of the comedic roles were all funny. I don't. I didn't think there was a single dud. There, there's only one actor I thought was bad, but it was not a comedic role, so it, I didn't mind it so much. We'll get I to think, that. I think I know who, and I will interject and just say the critics, my friend, significantly disagree with you on these counts. Uh, that that the movie was was good, or that the, the, act, mo- or the, the performance, mo- the movie was good, and the performances were good. Oh, I'll be curious to hear what what you mean by that. But yeah. uh, no, I I think it's because. Here, here's my impression of this movie. I have two things to say. Number one is, it starts off very slow. First viewing, I'm going, oh, what is what is this movie? And like, it had that problem that I have frequently, where I'll say, you know, like when when characters aren't acting like human beings, when they are not acting like you know, a, 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 no human being would say this Stack in this moment. Like this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I had that tr- trouble at the beginning, but once I started to realize, like, this is it's a farce, and nothing is intended to be realistic. It is literally farcical. So that stopped bothering me once. Once it became, you know, ten plates spinning all at once, I was like, okay, now I get what this is. Now I understand why it started that way. It, it, it was. It was not that it was a slow movie. It was a snowball just beginning to form. And now, I, when I watched it the second time, I could see, okay, this, this, it feels slow at the beginning, but it's, it has to set up a ton of stuff so that you understand. And I think this movie does a really good job with all of this nonsense going on. I never once was lost. I was never once going, who is that? Or why you, you why is that person? You weren't Chaz, Paul, Paul Terry. I, I enjoyed that too. He was, <laughs> he was trying to keep up with it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, That's probably actually what I enjoyed the most of this movie. But the other thing that uh, I would compare this movie to is I just recently rewatched uh, Hot Fuzz. I don't know if, if you liked Hot Fuzz or what your opinion, if you've seen it. It's okay. Okay. I, I, I like Hot Fuzz a lot. But I mean, I remember the first time watching that movie thinking it wasn't very funny and going like while I was watching it going like well this is kind of a charming movie but it's not all that funny and then the the whole second half of that movie is like like most movies are set up punchline set up punchline set up punchline and both this and hot fuzz are set up set up set up set up set up set up punchline 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 and it all comes at the end like all the all the payoffs come all at once all in a big just one after the other rapid fire and that's what I enjoyed about it like, once I saw the whole movie I went like yeah that was okay the, I think the the manic I mean, it could have been more manic, and they could have really pushed it more. But I think I think that aspect of it is clashing with the old fashioned, like you know, let's put on an old timey farcical show. You know, I don't know. I I just all I know is I really enjoyed this movie. I liked it a whole Shocked. lot. I I honestly I would not never would have guessed you you'd come out of this one. Maybe you know you might be a bigger fan of the Marx Brothers than me too. I, I, maybe it is farce. Eh. Sure, it's definitely a choice, a stylistic choice. Yeah. Um, it's just a question of whether you can kind of go along for the ride or not, but there you I, go. I don't, so I'm not, I don't think my view is as harsh as the critics, um, both on the movie itself, as well as the performances. I do think that it's a, they're too harsh, but I don't think it's a good movie. I had no recollection of how this was received, whether it did well or not. So I'll be very curious to hear. All so right, let's, let's get, into, get it. into it. We have sounds back this episode. Yes. What day is it? What year? I will say though, <laughs> if this computer fails at any point, we may lose them. So fingers crossed. <laughs> All right. Uh, it is April 26, 1991. On a $35 million budget, according to Box Office Mojo, the total box office for Oscar, $23.5 million. All domestic. No foreign box office for this one. Wow. Not at all. Uh, it never got distributed, huh? Uh, no, apparently not. And I accidentally skipped over, so I'm going to have to go back to it. The critics. should I mean, the segue was right there, and I blew it. So I'm going to give you the chance uh, to, once again, Rotten Tomatoes freshness score 
uh, critics and audience score. Well, you kind of tipped your hand that it was I, low. Yeah, it's it's low on the critics. It's actually a pretty big disparity, too. I'm surprised how big the disparity is. Between critics and audience? Yes. I will say... I've got to think... This is an older movie, and so, again, like I generally think... On, some, on a site like Rotten Tomatoes, only people who like the movie are going to go review it. I, so that's... I'm sure throwing it off. I'm going to say that critics get, is like 52%. 12. 12. 12%. That's crazy. <laughs> Look on your face is priceless. I mean, like, I was I was twelve. Okay, and and so the Universal- audience is probably like fifty, sixty, something like that. Uh, Sixty three. Yeah, okay. so good guess. Uh, universally panned. Multiple. I think it, I saw Stallone, Tomei, and somebody else for Razzies on this one. I mean, it was universally panned and just hated. I think that's people just not understanding the style. You know, it, it's the performances are broad. And so I can, you can see these performances and say, oh, they're bad because they're not, because they're preposterous and over the top, but no pun intended. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's, did you want to hit Kenny Loggins there? Sure. Let's go ahead. Yeah, it's been a while. Since we got the sounds back. It's a very versatile sound. <laughs> it is. Um, no, I, I, I can understand why people would say, oh, these are bad performances, but I thought they're, they're pitched, they're pitched exactly at that the, at the, you know, tone that this movie is going for. I, for the most part, agree with you. I particularly, I disagreed with Stallone. I actually think it's a pretty good performance by Stallone. I think he's very funny in this movie. I don't know if I go that far <laughs> saying very funny, but I think, he's very funny. I think it's a good performance. I tend to agree with the Marissa Tomei, and I understand it was supposed to be a little bit. I won't say it so you don't have to hit Kenny Loggins, but uh, 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 well, I will. A little bit over the top, but it's... It's not a good performance from somebody who's you know been nominated and may have won an Academy Award. Uh, not by this point, but not by this point. Yeah. No. Oh no, she definitely she has won an Academy Award uh, for my cousin Vinny. Um, That's right, for my cousin Vinny. Oh, they're all caricatures. So I, I don't, I don't. Well, you know, I didn't think she was bad at all. All right. Well, let's get to what the competition was in April, uh, late April of 1991. It actually did open at number one. Wow. In the box office. I remember an advertising blitz, or maybe just because this would have been the age when, like, you know, we would have been, or at least I would have been. Glued to the TV? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same here. Uh, it, it, so it did come in number one. Just over $5 million was the opening box office gross for <laughs> okay. Oscar. So, I, you know, it's hard to know. In, you know, I, didn't, I don't do these in inflation adjusted. That does, that does feel low. Yeah. For, it, for an opening, you know, number one movie in America. I although mean, it's late, late. Spring, it's not into the summer blockbuster. Stallone yet. was in a lull, and he was kind of starting to become the butt of jokes. You know, no, I, not always, yet. I think so. I mean, Demolition Man, I think, kind of revived him for a while. Yeah, that's he had what a I'm little saying. bit of a second wave with Demolition Man, and 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 beyond that, this no, was Planet th- Hollywood Stallone. Oh, he was still a gigantic star, but what was the most recent hit that he'd been in? Well, that be, long, this is post Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Like he was, he was in a little <laughs> bit of a lull. All right. Well, the number two film in America at four point three million, "A Kiss Before Dying" by from Universal Pictures. I don't remember that at all. I, I know I recognize the title, but I don't know what that is. And number three, all three of these opened the same weekend, so all, all top three were all brand new releases. "Toy Soldiers" at four point, just under four point two million. I remember "Toy Soldiers." I never saw it. I remember it. It's a terrorist or something takeover, like a private boarding school or something. Yeah. A lot of future stars are in it. I know Matt Damon is in it. Is Brendan Fraser in that, I think? I think you might be right. Um, I think like most of the... Ethan Hawke might even be in it. Like most of All the, of them went on to do yeah, more movies the, after. Yeah, most of the guys in that were, were future stars. They were... 
their careers are much bigger than Toy Soldiers. It just happened to be that they were all in that, that movie together. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it since it was like on cable in 1993 or something like that. <laughs> but I remember liking it. Uh, number four, I'm sure you're going to recognize this one. Uh, it's in its second week in the box office, an action film. Out for Justice, Steven Seagal. Why, why would I be like that? I, you loathe Steven Seagal. Oh, well, yes. I mean, I definitely do. Just I, over I get all million. those early ones mixed up. I don't remember. Out for Justice and Above the Law. And they all are the same. <laughs> Basically, other than Under Siege, they're effectively all the yeah, same. That's his one good movie. Yes. Uh, number- Under Siege 2, I have a soft spot for it because it's, it's, it's really bad. Is it farcical? It is farcical, yes. Eric Bogosian. As the villain. <laughs> well, that's that's someone you're scared of. Nope. Eric Bogosian. Is that better or worse than James Caan? <laughs> even Eric Bogosian. <laughs> Eraser. It's worse. Even even in Uncut Gems where Eric Bogosian is literally playing a mob boss, he's not scary. He's just, he's no, there, he's, he's there, you know, at, at the family dinner or whatever. <laughs> Nobody's scared of him. It's true. Uh, number five, Mortal, and it's, uh, th- uh, how many weeks? Two weeks. Uh, this is its second or third week. Doesn't matter. Mortal Thoughts. Don't recognize it. I thought you were going to say Mortal Kombat, but then I was no. like, that's way too early for that. It is. Number six, The Silence of the Lambs at $2.5 million. Okay. That's in its movie. 11th week and just over $108 million. So Silence of the Lambs was a huge hit because that was a small budget movie. For sure, sure, yeah. Number seven, a sequel, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. The, the Secret Se- of the Ooze. Of course. <laughs> you know it. That's awesome. $2.4 million. It's total box office to date, uh, $70.5 million, and it's in its sixth week. Uh, another one that's been, oh, man. They really cranked that out fast because the first Turtles came out in 1990. Yeah, it did. So right. This is... This is uh, we got we to milk this for yeah, all. It's early worth. 91. They got this, the, the, I mean, the, we got some toys we got to sell. They already built those suits. The, the Henson Company are just like, well, they're sitting here. Let's just make another movie. We won't throw them away yet. Number eight, in its 25th week in theaters... Dances with Wolves of just over two million uh, for that weekend, wow. one hundred and sixty-two million total box office to date. Although I will say to this day, I know you won't care. You say the Oscars don't matter. I understand, but it infuriates me that Dances with Wolves won the Oscar and Goodfellas did not. It's not that they don't matter. It's that they are they are there. They're, all they are is this is the movie we want to celebrate. It's I not understand. this is the best movie. It's literally called Best Picture, but still. It is called Best Picture, my friend. Number nine, do not recognize this one, Defending Your Life, 1.4 million. Oh, you know this one? Yeah, it's an Albert Brooks movie. It's pretty good. It's uh, Meryl Streep's in it. It's a very good movie. It's it's not very funny, but... Interesting, because six weeks in theaters and only 12.8 million in total box office. That's interesting that it could hang around for six weeks while only doing about two million bucks a week. Yeah, that's, I mean, I probably got good word of mouth. That's good. It's about the afterlife. All right. And then the finally rounding out the top 10, Sleeping with the Enemy in its 12th week, 1.3 million, 91 million in total box office through uh, that time. I wonder how much of these like movies that are hanging around for 12 weeks or 25 weeks was second run theaters and how much of it was just movies still, because uh, th- this is kind was... of the peak of second run theaters. Oh yeah, you have, we, I mean, we had a number of them down by us, so yeah. yeah, it probably was. It might not, the peak might have been a little bit past this, but this would have been right in its wheelhouse, if not the absolute peak of second hand. such screens. a weird phenomenon to look back on now of second run theaters. Like now, movies, uh, well, especially with COVID, <laughs> I mean, I mean, the window shoot shrinking to like three weeks now. I yeah. mean, it's well, crazy. I mean, at this point, with one, I mean, I don't know if we've recorded anything since Warner Brothers announcement that no, this is all their, of their 2021 yeah. catalog is going to be straight to HBO now, or at least not straight to because it'll be on there for a month and then it'll disappear. But still, 
The yeah. window is literally zero days now, which obviously there's extenuating circumstances. But yeah, but even for, I mean, for some of the others, the original deal uh, was it Universal? I think Comcast, maybe. Yeah, they cut the deal where it was three weeks. Yeah, unless it hits certain box office thresholds to make it that it's still worthwhile of keeping it in theaters. It's so it's just so weird that like yes. at the time they would withhold the VHS for like a year. Yes. You know, and, and now and there, there was a whole business model of dollar theaters that is like, well, it's true, but <laughs> show some, these six month old movies. Some of the difference is, is that the technology has made it for distribution to be really cheap where making tapes and even to a certain extent DVDs, but not nearly as much as tapes. Tapes were expensive. So that's part of the reason why they were. I guess that's true. Yeah. But mean, like, you're still why wait a year rather than six months? Like, why? I would think the movie studios would want rather than letting second run theaters. I guess they're getting their cut of that too. Yeah, so. they still get a cut of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So in the TV world, Nielsen ratings: nineteen ninety one, ninety two. Top show on TV is sixty minutes. Uh, number two is Roseanne. Number three, Murphy Brown, which is a good reference because most of my notes on this ep- for this episode are Seinfeld references because. Man, there were a lot of Seinfeld connections that were made on this set. Oh, interesting. Uh, number four. I, I don't think I spotted any of them. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I, I will bring something there's to a, this episode. There's a Simpsons actor in this movie. but uh, There's that as well, and I, of course, did not miss that. Yeah, of course. Uh, number four, Cheers, tied, with actually, uh, tied for fourth uh, with Home Improvement. Uh, number six, Designing Women. Number seven, Full House. It's crazy to see shows like this that just don't exist anymore and these all just w- would dominate you mean the style of show yeah. doesn't exist anymore yeah. yeah well this is maybe the the peak of that style of sitcom for sure oh without a doubt uh number eight murder she wrote number nine major dad <laughs> major dad here's the thing it's 1991 and we were t- i'm still waiting for the simpsons to show up it was it was already a big phenomenon and it's being beat by major dad it didn't have good ratings in the early going. I guess not. I thought it I was... I don't know if it ever even had great ratings, necessarily, because Fox always was and also ran. What it had is a, a lot of acclaim and, and fan, fanfare from people who were hardcore I guess fans. so. I don't know if it ever really got the ratings. I thought it did the first couple of years, but... Uh, I like... Of all those on the list, you have Major no problem Dad. with Murder, She Wrote, Full House, Designing Women. Major Dad is the one that you derive. <laughs> well, it's the one that has had the least cultural... Like, in terms of, like... Things that people remember. Hold on. What about number 10? Ty. Coach. And I wanted, I should have looked this one up. Room for Two. Do you remember okay, that I one? I don't even know what that is. All right. Okay. It must have had a cushy time well, slot I, on ABC. I can't get indignant about Room for Two. I don't even know what it is. But Major Dad, I remember. That is the, like, the fact that that was a top 10 show. It, it was a top 10 show. What was its share? 16.8. I mean, it was just 0.1 behind Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> that is the, just the title Major Dad. It, it really is like a fake sitcom that you would see on The Simpsons. It kind of is, actually. <laughs> major Dad. You can see Troy McClure on a, on a Major Dad, <laughs> yeah, couldn't you? Absolutely. <laughs> Handle with care. I play Jack Handle, a retired <laughs> policeman. <laughs> I forgot that one. That is great. He's, he's a roommate miss- with a retired criminal. We're the, we're the original odd couple. Oh, I miss Phil Hartman. Yeah. Handle with care. Handle with care. Handle with care. I like that's like how he says it. He really it. sells it. He's got to <laughs> emphasize the pun. Just in case you don't know. I guess Major Dad isn't quite as much of a... I would watch that show. That's the thing. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It, yeah. I, I mean, if, it reminds... That's Major Dad. I'm sure uh, it would have been a similar thing. I could Handle see... Handle with care. I could see actually the episodes of McGarnacle just lead, lead right into then 
Handle with care. I, I can see Handle with care following McGarnacle yeah. on The Simpsons. But that's what's so funny about Handle with Care is because so many shows ba- back then, the title was just a dumb pun, like Family Matters. Yeah. Family Matters, get it? It's like it has a double meaning. <laughs> All right. I'm sure there are more I can't think of. Let me finish out on the history. Sorry, mm-hmm. I've had, already had too much fun with this. Uh, the S&P 500 watch is 377.99 in April of 1991. All right. April 4th. Uh, the Marion Air Disaster. Senator John Hines of Pennsylvania and six others are killed when a helicopter collides with their plane over Marion, Pennsylvania. I highlight this because it's really not a good time for current and f- or former U.S. Senators. As on April 5th, former U.S. Senator John Tower and 22 others are killed in an airplane car- crash in Brunswick, Georgia. Wow. I looked it up and went, man, alive. That's yeah, crazy. That is crazy. Uh, April, I, sir, I did not know either one of uh, either one of those. One footnote. I feel like I have a very vague memory of when the the sitting senator was it just one senator and six other people, or was it multiple yeah. senators? Okay, no, I, was, I feel like I and remember. actually. So John Hines was a um, uh, a descendant of the Hines. You know, he's from you know, Pittsburgh. Hines Fortune. Yeah, his widow married John Kerry. <laughs> From the other, because he John Hines was a Republican, John Kerry is not. It was a Democrat. So you know, fast forward. I don't know how many years. This is ninety one? At least fifteen, might even be more. Twenty years later, his widow marries John Kerry. Oh, I wonder if John Kerry got a piece of that Heinz fortune. I think so. Yeah. Uh, April? Well, I don't know. April sixteenth. Uh, Soviet Premier Mikhail Gorbachev begins the first ever visit of a Soviet leader to Japan, but fails to resolve the two countries' dispute over ownership of the Kur- Kur- oh man Kuril Islands. I probably butchered that. April 17th, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closes above 3,000 for the first time ever. So we got S&P 500 and the Dow yeah, Jones. You can double one. dip on yes, this market uh, news. I also found some history on the date the film was released. April 26th, 70 tornadoes break out in the central United States, killing 17 people. The most notable tornado of the day strikes Andover, Kansas. I thought that was crazy. Seventeen in a day. That's a lot of tornadoes, and yeah, I imagine they're all they were they were close together. I would I would have to imagine it was part of the same weather system. Yeah, yeah. that's that's not just a coincidence. Yeah, crazy. All right, went into the month of May, May fifteenth. There hasn't been a notable tornado near here in a long time. I feel like we're due. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Because we're in the Midwest. I mean, it's closer up 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 here. I mean, when when I lived downstate. There were like in the in the in the six years I was in college, um, there were like four tornadoes near there, so it happened a lot more frequently downstate. But still, I'm fine with it not happening all that often, uh, especially since I plan to be taking a little bit of a road trip. Although this is not tornado season, so it should be okay. Yeah, driving across the you know the Great Plains of South Dakota, Nebraska, where twisters hit all. You got to worry more about a blizzard than tornadoes. This yes, time of year. you got to be worried about those as well. I right, went into May a little bit, May fifteenth. Edith Cresson becomes France's first female prime minister. And on May 16th, Queen Elizabeth II becomes the first British monarch to address the United States Congress. Rounding out the history, the fiction New York Times bestseller for the month of April, I guess not the month of April, but the week the movie came out, The Cirrus of Kell by David Eddings. Some fantasy series. I had no idea what it was. Say, it sounds like it. And then the, the Cirrus, bil- like... like- S E E R E S. I guess it is Cirrus. Yes. Oh, okay. I, I guess that's just a made-up word. I thought maybe you were saying like like, like Sirius, like the star, or I wasn't sure no. what I was hearing. Nope. Okay. And then the Billboard 100, "Baby Baby" by Amy Grant. Don't know it. 
I say that a lot for this portion of the segment. I, I'd, I'd, I'd say we should look up these songs and play them, but I, I, I yeah, well, I, I don't. It's, it's, it's already too much work. Yes, even the ten seconds to search it. Agreed. I feel, yeah, I'm sure it's probably one of those we've heard and just are not connecting the dots. All right, you ready for the big picture? Let's do it. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. Good luck. Um, <laughs> the big picture where we discuss the plot of the movie. Do you even have a, I do. a couple of sentences? Okay. Is it just like, bunch of stuff, crazy stuff happens in a house? No. Well, okay. well, well give it a shot. Okay. Angelo snaps provolone, promised his dying father that he would give up the life of a gangster. A few weeks later, we spend the one day he tries going legit, observing arranged marriages and bag swaps. And we learn that bankers are more crooked than gangsters. Oh, and finally, the titular character shows up 10 seconds at the very end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that I thought that was kind of amusing. You did? The movie's called Oscar. I was Oscar. annoyed. I was like, Milhouse, when is Oscar going to show up? <laughs> well, I have some thoughts about why this movie is called Oscar. We'll talk about it later. Oh, I'm, I, I can tell you this. I will be adding nothing to the conversation but I'm because I have no thoughts, but I'm interested <laughs> that you have thoughts on why this is titled well, Oscar. I, I have a theory why, but I mean, this movie is not very deep, so I'm probably reading into it. More. <laughs> no, it's not. As much as I like this movie, it is ankle deep. Um, Honestly, I think I covered most of it right there. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's just a lot of... How, how much of your dislike, or your, your I shouldn't say dislike, is your, your middling opinion of this movie is based on this, this movie's uh, opinion about bankers? Or- oh, uh, so it's funny. Yeah, so th- that was a little derisive because of my chosen profession. It, it's actually not that much. Because this movie well, definitely has a point of view of bankers, although it, it's set during the Great Depression. It so. certainly does, but I'll also say this. 90% of movies where bankers are represented, yeah, that's of it. Course. Because I, I joked, I have a tradition with my mom every year we watch, probably since I was 16, so it's, it's, it's been a long time that we've done it. For the holidays, we watch It's a Wonderful Life together. I actually bought her a VHS, ironically enough, with a Christmas ornament when I was working at Osco Drug, probably when I was 16 or 17. And so first we started watching that VHS, and then as time has gone by, DVD and actually... Now it's in theaters again every holiday season, not co- no, not in COVID, but outside of that. So yeah. every year we watch it and watched it not that long ago with my mom. And I kind of joke every time. said, it's so refreshing to see Jimmy Stewart, a banker, is a hero. He's not vile hatred. Well, yes, but he has to have the, the he has to have supernatural things happen in order to to have no. things turn out okay, right? Turn it's been out, a long time since I've seen that movie. And that's an, watch it maybe to turn out okay, but he, he legitimately is a good person and a hero. That, oh, yeah. I mean, and the, that's what I'm saying is that 99, maybe not 99, nine times out of 10, banker represented in a movie, absolutely, he has no redeeming moral character whatsoever. So that's probably why I enjoy It's a Wonderful Life so much. I've come to expect the Oscars presentation of bankers, so no, I... That's not the reason why. Okay. If anything is more annoying, the bag swap joke and gag annoyed me to no end. Okay. I can understand that. I mean, it was, it was just supposed to be piling one Italian absurd. stereotype. Oh, there's definitely plenty of Italian stereotypes. Oh, there's lots of stereotypes yes. I've got yeah, I guess, here. disclaimer, any uh, offensive Italian accents we do is just us imitating the movie. It's, not, <laughs> it's the movie's fault. Don't blame us. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, there are plenty of uh, those characters, particularly the Taylors, which... Uh, uh, yes, the no, Fanucci's. Yeah. I mean, this whole movie is just piling the absurdities on top of each other, and so the bags is just part of that. 
I, I mean, I'm a little confused about particularly the last swap. I think I know what happens in this movie in terms of the bags. Oh, am I going to have to walk you through something here? I, no, I think I have it, but I want to confirm. I think we need to talk. We need to walk through. Ankle deep movie. You were confused. Well, there's just there's a lot going on. It's all surface level and silly and absurd. But um, uh, sorry, I cut you off. Is there anything else you would like to discuss on the plot? Well, let's let's at least. Go through it as best we can. Okay. I mean, it, what, the, the opening scene is with Kirk Douglas as Stallone's father who is dying and makes him promise, like you said, that uh, he's going to go straight. Yeah. Snaps Provolone, played by Stallone, as this, this uh, gangster. Um, he's not. He doesn't just go straight for that one day. He, ha- he has been trying for three weeks, but this is the most important day because now the bankers are coming to make him... Legitimate. Um, See, and to yeah. me, no, he hasn't been committing crimes for the last three weeks. That doesn't sure, necessarily okay. make you legitimate. You're right. He, he He's just been lay, laying low. So in my view, no, he tries to go straight for one day and it didn't work. Yeah, but I mean, for the previous three weeks, he's been making an effort to not commit crimes, as you said. It sounds like he's put an end to his bootlegging operation and... and uh Taken all his, he's liquidated everything, and he's gonna put, he's gonna invest it, or he's gonna somehow his money's gonna end up in this bank. I guess I, it, it, he's just he's making an investment, and in exchange, they're putting him on the board. That's, yeah, that's essentially what essentially he's bringing new capital to maybe an undercapitalized bank. Sure, and in exchange, uh, he may or may not be also using it to launder money. Who knows? I mean, it's it, his plan is to become legitimate. So I would assume. He is just, it's an investment capital, and he's going to try and make money basically as a banker, frankly, is that's, that's, that's the plan. Yeah, well, the, this movie portrays his change of heart as, as genuine, and I he's so. made a promise to his, I mean, his, when, he, when he's t- talking to people who he has no reason to lie to, he's telling them he's going straight, so. Um, and then a, a increasingly series of preposterous events happen, starting with Anthony, who shows up. This, this is the day the bankers are going to show up. They're always going to sign the paperwork, and so he's getting He's ready. got a very full schedule. He, he's buying the suit the morning of, which seems real last minute. Yes, it does. Um, the Fenucci's must be really good. I mean, yeah, it's a $150 suit, which I did I did the uh, conversion. Of course you did. It's a $2,500 suit in today money, so very fancy suit. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, Anthony shows up, and through a series of Three's, companies, three's Company-esque uh, misunderstandings. That is a perfect analogy. But that's exactly what... Three's Company is a farce. That's, it was like designed to be that. So, like Crazy misunderstandings and like zeroth percentile possible... Like mis- you know, the, the odds of these things happening are so impossible. That it's, 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 misfortune? Yes, exactly. It's, that's part of the absurdity of it. But Anthony... Is asking for Snaps' daughter's hand in marriage, thinking that uh, not not knowing who his daughter is because there's ter- there's Lisa, who's his actual daughter, right? Lisa, Lisa is Lisa. played it's by Marissa, Marissa Tomei. Tomei. Yes, and Anthony, who is also Snaps' bookkeeper, has met Teresa, who has lied to Anthony and said that she is Snaps' daughter. So because she saw his Snaps picture in the newspaper. Yes, and just decided this is the thing I'm going to lie about because she wanted Anthony to think she came from a wealthy family, which is never explained why. Well, because she liked him, and I guess she just got caught in this lie. Her character that doesn't really fit. Um, Not at all. You know that she would lie about that. And that's the actor that I was talking about. Oh, it's bad. She's really bad. Oh, yes. But she's not a comic character. She's supposed to be insincere, you know, sincere and really just bad. yeah. She's a, one of the worst. And in in, in a mainstream hollywood movie she's very, very i might have bad. been able to do as well yeah she's really bad <laughs> um otherwise i enjoyed everyone in this movie 
But then simultaneously, because they've decided to not... Snaps has had this conversation with his daughter Lisa, and somehow Anthony's name never comes up, because that just has to happen in order for these wacky misunderstandings to occur. She is also seeing Oscar, the titular character, and she thinks that her father's talking about Oscar. Yes. Which sets up this whole misunderstanding where... Anthony's talking about Teresa. Lisa's talking about Oscar. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. No, but I, it, it's it's. I enjoyed the absurdity of it. And so then, then uh, Lisa decides because she's being kept in her room like Rapunzel and not being let out by her father. And the only way to get out is to to marry anybody, whoever happens to oh, come along. Wait, she will on. settle for anybody. It's not anybody because she was supposed to be on track to marry Bruce Underwood. Bruce the Underwood. Third. Yes. She's not interested in him. Right. That's and you, true. And you also forgot. Yeah, yeah. You want to talk about absurdity. Anthony, the bookkeeper, admits to ripping off 50 grand. Yes. That that was the part where I'm going, what kind of movie is this? Because he's like, yeah, he has, he, he, oh, I'm going to give you money. It's like, I'm a, it's like a dowry. Give you back your own money. Yeah. And he's so matter of fact, like, I stole it. And <laughs> I guess it's because he knows that Snaps is going straight and these bankers are showing up in a couple hours. Like, you can't kill me now. So let's just get everything out he in the open. He puts that out there at some point. You know, today's the day you're going legit. I still, I'm still not thinking. No, they when, insinuate that Snaps was part of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. They do. So he's clearly a ruthless gangster. Yes, he has, well, he was. He was a ruthless gangster <laughs> until three weeks ago when his father died when Kirk Douglas made him promise. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. The, the first time I'm watching this, I'm going, why is Anthony just saying, matter of fact, I stole this money from you? And then it's like, also, uh, I'm sleeping with your daughter. Just like not, you know, at a time when that would have been scandalous, you know, out of wedlock. So, you know, it's like, I had a very, like, negative reaction to that opening scene. And it goes on forever. And it's because that scene has to set up everything else in this movie about who Snaps is and Anthony. And just, it's a lot to set up. And the, the jewels that he has, he's converted this money that he's stolen into precious gems. Uh, we'll get there, but um, don't take too long. No, but I, I, I <laughs> well, it'll accelerate much like that snowball. I, I will get through everything. I want to cover. I want to hit all these details because this movie is very detail driven. Um, no, but I was going to say that opening scene. I, the first time I'm watching, I'm going, "Oh, this is not going to be a good movie." That was. I was very much not enjoying that opening scene with Anthony. And they're sitting Same out. Same here. They're sitting out in the veranda or whatever. Atrium. Oh, the atrium. Correct. Yeah. That actually, I, I enjoyed the the word a day calendar or whatever he's got in his pocket oh I, yeah uh, uh, I, can't, I can't remember what the word was anymore expeditious expeditious yes that's exactly what it was so anyway then uh, the tailor show up to make his his suit for uh his meeting with the bankers and there's wacky stuff with them they're there i found them very funny played by uh, um, it's hard to not find harry Shearer funny even when he's playing a horrible stereotype <laughs> yes they're they're stereotypes but i found them funny I, just, even despite the stereotypes harry Shearer and the lawyer from jurassic park <laughs> Actually, was one of the highlights for me because I knew I wrote in my notes the same thing. I'm like, I guarantee you, Keen's gonna say the lawyer from Jurassic Park. I tried to remember his name this time because I saw it in the credits. Like, okay, it's Martin Ferrero. I think Martin Ferrero. Yeah, doesn't matter. Honestly, he is the lawyer from Jurassic Park. But of the two of them, Harry Shearer is very funny. Obviously, Harry Shearer. No, I Final think, Tap. I is, think Martin Ferrero is actually better. He's very funny. Yes, he really he's the funnier of the two of them. Because <laughs> yes. he, he gives a big speech about like how how important their work is, and then Harry Shearer jumps in and finishes. That's my speech you know he like, gets angry you finished my speech let me finish my speech i anyway. just love that you, you we hit the nail right on the head the lawyer from jurassic that's park. what he'll always be to me i don't even like jurassic park all that much but that role just made such an impression on me i don't know what it is 
we'll have a coupon day or something. <laughs> I love that character in Jurassic Park. I like Jurassic Park, but I understand it. I like Jurassic Park too. It's not like I don't go crazy for it like a lot of people do. Yeah. But he, he's killed too soon in Jurassic Park <laughs> because I think he's the best character in Jurassic Park. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, then Teresa shows up and comes clean and then kind of at some point Snaps finds out about the miscommunication, but he still wants to get these precious gems back from Anthony, so he tricks Anthony into signing an agreement saying that he's the father of... Oh, because Lisa lies about being pregnant because she wants to marry Oscar. Yes. Thinking thinking that Snaps is talking about Oscar this whole time. She gets that idea from the maid who... Ultimately, is the one who really comes out well out of this entire deal. Oh, I think so in multiple ways. Because so I th- many ways. I think I think the, my confusion about the bags. I just want to confirm that what I believe happened. She's got two bags. She, yeah, she's got both. Right? Okay. Yes. I thought so. She's got a hundred grand in the end. Yeah. She. she and she's marrying. And she's marrying the rich guy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not skip ahead. But yeah, I think maybe that was the scam. Like maybe we should talk through that. This this rich guy decided I'm going to take advantage of I'm going to take advantage of a very chaotic day in Snaps' life and yeah, um so yeah Teresa's there but then Snaps tricks Anthony into agreeing to marry Lisa. Well, he does briefly after he gets the jewels back. He lets well because he gets the jewels back and ultimately Anthony feels like he got a he got a bad deal because the the trade was you can marry my daughter here here she is. Give me the jewels. Right. And then Anthony does a 180. He's like, well, he got tricked. And he gets pissed off that he doesn't have the jewels. And then Teresa overreacts and says, it seems like you care. And very poorly acted. You care yes. more about the money than me. <laughs> I'm very upset. You care about those jewels more than me. I am leaving in a huff. Yeah, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> I don't think her, you know, like when normal people talk, they have inflection. You know, like I'm, I'm getting agitated now. So my, the pitch of my voice is rising. Her, her voice, I think, if you played her voice. Hello, Mr. Provolone. <laughs> what you did there is even more pitch. I, I think if you played her, if you, if you identified the pitch of her voice on a piano, it would never deviate from one note. Seems like you want this, <laughs> you like these jewels more than me. So in the end, yeah, Anthony rushes out. He loses Teresa because Teresa leaves in a huff, although not very apparent from her acting that she's yeah, leaving in a, a huff. A very gentle huff. Yes. She really does seem like she's on some kind of like like muscle relaxants. The, <laughs> the actress, I mean. Okay. Something. I don't know. Something happened. And then Don Amici shows up as a priest just to have a little wacky scene and then leaves. He's just, it's just to set up him for the ending at the wedding, I well, think. Well, I, I took it the reason he does show up is there's supposed to be a wedding that's being planned. Is there? Yeah. To, to Bruce Underwood? Lisa's no. getting married to somebody. Because oh, but yeah, got, but he doesn't know that. I think I thought he was just there to raise money for the church or something. And he just shows up and is like, whoa, he's, he's kind of like the audience. He goes like, this is crazy. Crazy stuff is happening here. Maybe, I'm uh, maybe I, I jumped to a conclusion that he was there to start planning Lisa's wedding to somebody, whether it be Dr. Poole. There's so many potential candidates. Oh, sure. But he doesn't know any of that. Well, also, I think uh, Snaps' wife, whose name I forget... Who doesn't have, impact the plot much? She's just kind of there, kind of being like, she "What yells, are you doing?" She and, she yells a lot. Yeah, I mean, she's just kind of there to be angry all the time. But um, yeah, I, I I think she says he's here to raise money for yeah. Some, maybe the maybe, church maybe I, I I blew that one. And other other people show up. Who else shows up? Just people are con- constantly coming and going. Who are forget? Well, then there's Doctor Pool. Doctor Pool shows up, but also his maid says she's quitting. The chauffeur shows up a couple of times and that's where we get a, you know, he does get called Kaiser because it's a a German chauffeur, a Irish maid. Sure. A lot of Italian stereotypes. 
I mean, it's set in the twenties when I guess they they think it's okay. They think everyone was a stereotype in the twenties. Apparently, so I'm trying to think: is there anybody else? Well, don't forget, all of this is going on. You've got Kurtwood Smith and yes. a couple of cops across the street. I wish Kurt, Kurtwood Smith had more to do. He, all he does is peer out of a window. Why? So uh, he was fun the little bit he had. I could just imagine the stage version of this of just like those guys up in a little balcony, like like Juliet's, like a little a little corner of the stage is just them them looking down and commenting every once yeah. in a while, like a Greek chorus. Uh, Speaking of the Muppets, um, yeah, Statler and Waldorf. Yeah. Statler and Waldorf, them, them up there leering down, yeah. just ready to pounce. They're there to be the Greek chorus. They're there to comment on, I'm sure, I'll bet they had more to do in the play of just like commenting on, here's and, and like summarizing, because it's, it's tough to keep up with everything that's going on. So. And not just shooing pigeons away. Yeah, like, that's, no, that's basically the thing. all he has to do. It, uh, the, all he does is every once in a while, I cut to him like, "There's another bag. Look at all these bags. Oh, he's, just, he's got a bag man all over this city." Yeah, he's just there to comment on the bags. Anyway, yeah, but Doctor Poole, played by Tim Curry, and this is the point where I decided, no, I actually really love this movie because <laughs> I think he's great. He is so funny. Tim Curry is a lot of fun in this. He's very funny. Every line made me laugh, even like very basic things. Just you know, there's all this like li- linguistic joke of just uh, you know. Lisa's got rounded diphthongs or whatever. Like, you know, st- stuff like that. A da- you've got a dangling participle. Like, it's all very, like... It's simultaneously, like, you know, it's it's the lowest brow of, like... Lowest brow, high brow, brow humor? Uh, yeah, highbrow subjects to tell <laughs> lowbrow humor. I mean, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, I did I enjoyed too. the writing of it. it well, I, even more so than the writing, it reminded me a little bit of his performance in Clue, which I watched not that long ago with my kids. Sure. And it's a fond memory. I still... I enjoy... The film version of Clue and Tim Curry's performance in that in particular. He's very good at, at uh, playing a kind of vaguely uh, like mid-Atlantic kind of buffoonish, kind of not sh- quite sure what's going on. Although in Clue, he knows the most about what's going on, I yeah. guess. But um, yeah, he's, he's really good at playing this type of role. Of just like, oh my, you know, and it's, uh, he he made me laugh. He's only in maybe the second half of the movie, if that's. He shows up very yeah, late. Yeah, just the second half. Uh, and a decent decent amount because he he becomes the the next suitor and seems to be the best fit for Lisa overall. Although initially Lisa didn't care, she just wants to get out of the house. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure why he's the best fit, but I guess he is. They they, they, they well, take they a liking to each other. They have a decent amount of things in common. They have controlling parents. He travels. That's true, yes. He travels a lot. She wants to she travel. Wants to travel. Yeah, You're right. So it's a pretty good match. Actually. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I didn't think about that. You're right. But yeah, in between Doctor Poole and Anthony, there's. Isn't there another briefly she gets engaged to somebody else? Who was it? There was a there was a fourth person. There was Doctor Underwood, no, was and then just, it was Anthony. Well, there was th- three fiancés that day, right? But it was Underwood the third one? Yeah, I feel like there was someone in between. In between we're forgetting. <laughs> Who else would there? I be? don't know, but I what feel like there was. Characters are there in this? I, movie? I don't know. Why do I feel like we're forgetting somebody? Maybe I'm. Yeah, maybe it was Bruce Underwood, but um. Yeah, but I, then there's these bags, as you mentioned earlier. So um, when the maid quits, she has a bag identical to Anthony's bag. And the only thing she has in her suitcase, she just has underwear. She has sure, nothing apparently else. that was the only thing she had in the house that she had to take with her. I'm not, I don't know how that's possible, but okay. Um, it's possible because this movie I does know. think it's... I mean, <laughs> it's the absurdity that makes me laugh because multiple times this character's going like... I'm going to dump this bag out and not look at the contents and then just wipe my hands like, take a look at this. <laughs> Men spend their whole lives trying to get a hand, <laughs> their, whole, their hands on this stuff. Whatever oh, he says. This, one, this is a $20 bill. <laughs> that that, that might have been the best here's, part of Here's some money. Here's some money. Here's this, some more. Oh, this is very much more. Oh, here's a new $20 <laughs> bill. 
Tim Curry is hilarious in everything he's in. Uh, I thought the Fanucci's were funny. I thought I thought Marissa Tomei was funny. I can understand I people wish. thinking that she was she was kind of shrill and over the top, but I thought it, I thought it was a funny. Especially knowing that she she's a really good actress and she's been you know in a both comedic and dramatic roles and is very good. So I it was a shock to me. I was not impressed by Marissa Tomei. Again, it's a, everyone's a caricature. In, in the same way that the Fanucci's are Italian caricatures, she is the caricature of the, you know, the teenager who is put upon and is is you know shrill and and who wants to to live her own life. Blah blah blah. You're forgetting one of the most important things: why the wife is in the movie because she calls the maid agency service to get a new maid sent over yes. so that we can have the final punchline delivered. I guess that's all that's left, right? I mean, For the most there's part. There's the mix-up about the bags. There's the, the bags get mixed up, I don't know how many times. Three because, or four. Because you've also forgotten that not only was the first bag of filled with 50000 in jewels... Later, Anthony comes back and says, "Yeah, you know what? I just went and wrote myself a check for fifty grand because I'm <laughs> I your stole, treasure. I stole more money. I stole another fifty grand, and I'd like to pay you the fifty grand to buy the jewels back. So I'd like those jewels. At some point, he says that are rightfully mine. I'm like, no, they're not. You embezzled the money, even if in your I, you know, mind, well." It was a clerical error, and I was said, no, you stole the first 50, then you stole another 50 to buy the jewels from the first 50. Of course. That's, it's absurd. There's no doubt about it. It's absurd. I mean, at some point, the movie makes it clear you should not be trying to deconstruct any of this. I mean, that's no. kind of what we're supposed to be doing when we're doing a podcast <laughs> about this, this movie that you can't, you know, it's, it's gossamer. One doesn't dissect gossamer. <laughs> I, so so the, the new maid comes, and lo and behold, yes. the whole jokes all the time that... My other daughter, Teresa. I didn't know he had another daughter. What do you know? He does have <laughs> yeah, another daughter. She's actually his Hi-oh. daughter from, from this woman who he he uh, knew when he was the driver for some other mob guy. And yes. she, she was the maid. Was that what it was? Or Yeah, she was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, I think, why this movie is called Oscar. Because 20 years ago, he was the Oscar. Snaps was the Oscar. That's what you th- Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, all this time I thought, oh, Stallone must play this character called Oscar. And then when his so name did was I. <laughs> I was Millhouse waiting for the fireworks factory. When I found out his name wasn't Oscar, I was like, oh, why is this movie called Oscar? And then, like, I don't know, like a third of the way in the movie, it's like, why did you fire your old driver, Oscar? I was like, oh, Oscar, that's, I guess, I guess that's the Oscar from the, why, why would this movie be named after a, fi- a guy who's not even on screen? He's been fired already. And then at the end, he shows up. But no, I think that's why. is because Snaps was Oscar 20 years earlier. He was the guy who got the, the, the girl pregnant and uh, I caused guess, tr- trouble for that mob boss, and then he became his own oh, man. You no, know, but he didn't cause trouble for mob boss. It was just for her mother. She disappeared. She went to a convent to have I guess reason. so, yeah. She wasn't the... I think... She, I, I like your explanation, but I think you're reading too much into it. I'm I, sure I am. <laughs> I'm sure I am. But I, that was the connection I made. It's like, okay, this is a similar situation. And that's why, I, when I was watching, I'm going, like, okay, he's going to... You know, I forget. He doesn't. He thinks he knows that Lisa's not pregnant at that point, right? When, yeah. when they find out that the, their new maid is actually the mother of Teresa and yes, and uh, it's it's both of theirs child. Okay, Cause I was gonna say I thought the movie was gonna end be like, oh, Oscar is just like I used to be the driver for that other mob guy, and now I shouldn't be mad at Oscar for knocking you up. I guess uh, you know whatever. We'll, we'll we'll work it out. I thought he was gonna learn something, <laughs> but no. Not only does he not learn anything about uh, you know how he should treat his daughter. Uh, he goes right back to the life of crime because he decides... <laughs> I think this movie's point of view is that... Well, because we, we did forget one important thing. The bankers finally arrived. Yes, I was about to, to touch about the bank- bankers. I was going to say, I think the movie's point of view is that being a mobster is way better than being a banker. Oh, it absolutely <laughs> Thank That's goodness that he went back to a, a reputable career. Murder, of, murdering people. <laughs> yes. Charging them 
absurd amounts of interest and then potentially physical harm if they don't pay the loans back, peddling potentially drugs, human trafficking, all of that. Yeah, but he is more reputable than being a banker. He's a moral criminal, right? He's an ethical criminal, criminal right? That's what uh, Dr. Poole says. <laughs> That's an oxymoron. oxymoron. <laughs> an honest criminal, an honest crook. That's actually what There's it was. a lot of fun language jokes in this movie. Where it's like, he, he's right. You are an ox and a moron. Like, that's not necessarily the most clever joke in the world, but anyway. And then it ends with a d- double wedding where Dr. Poole and Lisa are getting married, and Anthony and Teresa are getting married. And, and everyone Oscar shows up. Yes, and Oscar shows up and is carried out and presumably to be killed. I think so. <laughs> we'll have, we have to discuss whether or not we should count that or not. But I mean, <laughs> I think that's the implication. Because now Snaps is perfectly happy to be the, the killer mob yes, boss again. He absolutely. And, and is. It, it's, it's the best thing that could ever happen for everybody. Everyone's life is, is resolved, everyone's happy. And thank goodness he can go back to a life of killing people. Yes. And his son in law, he now has a son in law that is embezzled. An embezzler for a son-in-law, but he can go back to murdering people and everybody's okay. Oscar really is the one who really gets jammed in this in this situation. Sure. And at the end of the day, although he he was sleeping with Lisa, no one was ever pregnant, so it's not as if uh, you know, it's not as if he caused any trouble for the family anyway. No. Not that you know. We'll, we'll we'll get into those details. I'm sure. Or maybe. All right. Well, I think I think that adequately covers this very complex plot. Yeah. I mean, some of the detail. We need to go into detail, more detail about the bags in particular. Uh, I, I, I want to make sure. I, I think I think we're on the same page with the bags. I, I won't have very many little details if we don't talk about those. So okay, let's get to yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. Well, first, well, there's technology. technology. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? All right. This is the segment where we discuss how changes in technology would have impacted the plot or other aspects of the movie. Most of the time, I would not have anything for this, but I did come up with a theoretical for a period piece movie like this. Uh, I would normally not have one, but I came up. I came up with one. Okay, well, I have a couple things. Oh, well, you go first. <laughs> well, I, mean, I almost touched on it just now, but I mean, I, this isn't really technology, but it is a change in uh, the times where I think basically the entire plot of this movie hinges on social norms that are no longer relevant in any way. So that's one thing I wanted to bring up, just like, you know, the the, the horrible, like, disgrace of being an unwed mother. It's like, none of this probably And having to be married and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, does. basically the plot is entirely moot, you know, without the fact that it's it's set in the yeah, 20s. Yeah. So that's, that's at least something I wanted to bring up. All right, well, I just wanted to point out that we didn't cover in our plot summary, but on a couple of occasions, uh, cabs are hailed, Teresa and the maid, they are outrageously responsive and look really clean. So what I said is if cabs were as uh, responsive and clean as they are in this universe, Uber, there is no way that it exists in any way, shape, or form because those cabs are amazing. Oh, well, keep in mind, this movie is set at a time when like cars were still kind of new, right? So like, Yeah. I, I imagine it's, it's kind of similar to the way like in the 60s, if you went on a plane, it was like the height of luxury and immaculate, and now you get on a plane, it's the most horrible experience you could ever imagine. So, yeah, I think that's, that's just the trajectory of, like, cars. They're fancy. Like, they're, they're only for the elites, like, rich uh, mob guys. Touche. Uh, you said you had a couple. You got, an, got some more? Well, the, the, one, the other one I have is I was just curious how, and obviously, like I said, the plot would have to be vastly different if, it's set, if it was set in the modern day, but all the bag swapping, if you were to write a movie set today and wanted to do a similar like wacky bag swapping thing how would you do it 
Because right. I was I was wondering if there'd be some kind of like mix up between like with like wire transfers and passwords and cryptocurrencies. I'm just wondering. I was just imagining a scene of the two of them, you know, but being the, swapped multiple times. Yeah. How would how would you script a wacky mix up with the uh, modern the way the way money is usually transacted today? I don't think you could do it with the way money is transacted today because the way people do mis- make mistakes on Venmo and Zelle. Entering the wrong phone number or email address, and once it's but the problem is the back swap thing. Once it's gone, it's just gone. You it doesn't you you can't yeah. go and try and like pull it back or anything, right? So you would have to have a wacky where the same people are mistakenly sending basically money back and forth to one another in in that scenario, which I just don't see that. that so maybe the the wacky mix up is someone. Has the sa- a similar what, number like what, what Anthony could, and the the maid have a phone number that are one digit off? Or what I, I what I could see is that legitimately happening is that people's phones get mixed up. That's actually how there it could go. be. Yeah, but even that, you know, with fingerprint, you know, I, people probably wouldn't be able to unlock the phone. But the only way that I could see is that literally people are keep putting down their phones and picking up the wrong phone and then winding up sending money or something like that from the wrong phone. Smartphones are basically the like bags, like the tote bags. Oh, yeah. of, you know, like, the fact that they have the same bag, it was kind of like really like, the exact same bag. This but yes, like, people have... The, this well, is, yeah, you're right. This is George Costanza's wallet today. I'm holding up my phone right now. This, this, this yeah. has got everything that go, goes in a purse. There really aren't that many varieties of phones these days. Like It's all kind of been consolidated. I guess there kind of are, but um, it'd be very plausible to be oh, the exact absolutely. same phone. Especially Especially the i, you know, if it if it's the iPhone, Apple, you know, you a, a bunch of those users, absolutely, yeah. it's possible. I would believe because you know the the scene has been done a million times in movies where there's two bags and someone puts down the bag and then picks up the wrong bag and it's like as soon as you put down the bag next to the other bag, it's like okay, it's obvious what's going to happen here. But I would believe someone putting down their phone next to someone else's phone and then picking up the wrong phone. Yeah. I, I, I could very easily see that. I could see that happen. Yeah. So there you go. All right, I think that would that would work. Out. Right. Okay, time for the little on. details. Yes. That cardboard headstone tipped over. This graveyard is obviously phony. All right, the little details. The segment of the show where we discuss minutiae that we found interesting while watching the movie. You want to go first? Uh, yeah, I've got some, not a ton. Uh, should we talk about that opening title sequence and claymation opera man? Of the Barber of Seville? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, it was an interesting choice. I, I don't know if you've ever seen a performance of the Barber of Seville. I, I have. Um, it's also a farcical, farcical opera. Right. I enjoyed the opera more than I did Oscar. I have seen the Barber of Seville and, and enjoyed it. Uh, there are some parallels between the, the two stories, and I think that's why they chose it. Why they chose claymation, I have no idea. Uh, probably a buddy of John Landis needed some work. Oh, you can do the <laughs> opening titles. I don't know. It, it, it was kind of a cool little, uh, you know, sequence. I don't know. It was, it was well animated. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I don't know if it was necessary. No, it, it was pretty long too. Yeah. It was, a, it was a long, I mean, again, I think this is just trying to be a very old fashioned movie. Also, I've never seen opening credits in alphabetical or in, in order of appearance. Excuse me. It was Sylvester Stallone in Oscar, and then everybody else was in order of appearance. Really? In the opening credits. I've never seen that before. What I'm trying to think is... Oh, opening credits. I'm trying to think if I've seen anything. I don't think I've ever seen in order of appearance. I've seen alphabetical, but never in order of appearance in the opening. Because it kind of spoiled that. I was like, oh... Uh, Tim Curry's in this movie, but he's like last, so he must come very late. And it kind of spoiled the fact. Like, I guess I shouldn't wait. I shouldn't expect Tim Curry this, you know, yeah, very early. I didn't in the movie. think of that. I didn't think of that. I'm, I'm just trying to think out loud here if there are any order of appearances off the top of my head, but I I don't have any. So I think you might be right there. All right. Well, my my first note 
we are my first note actually was the first on the first scene kirk douglas we hardly knew ye but we've already you know discussed that yeah so so my next note starts with the seinfeld references i honestly think Marissa Tomei might have been George Costanza's uh, obsession because of her being on this movie with a bunch of people that ultimately wound up being on Seinfeld. But the first one... Boy, I can't think is, of anybody. Uh, they're mostly minor characters, including the first one, Aldo the butler. I, I will use the line from this guy till the end of my days. He plays the NBC executive at the very end in the finale when they're going to repitch the show... And they they say to the you know and he says yeah and you know Elaine and Jerry I'd really like to see them together yeah you know I'm not sure we see that or we could not do the show altogether how about that <laughs> let's get them together I will never forget that guy's delivery I can't pick or him. we could not do the show altogether how about that and they immediately turn on and yeah. put them together. <laughs> Uh, wow, I can't picture. I, I do not remember. I mean, I remember the scene, but I can't picture the guy. I the voice immediately. I looked it up just to make sure, but I was ninety nine percent sure when. And he's probably my favorite performance in this movie. Other than yeah, t- Tim Curry, Aldo as the butler is is really funny. I didn't recognize him at all, and he's yeah. I kind of thought you know, similar to Teresa. I kind of went like maybe this is just. I mean, Teresa, he's he's good and she's not to be clear. But you know, just like oh, you know, basically actors that are. I'm not familiar with having pretty prominent roles, and I'm just wondering, like, okay, maybe John Landis was doing him a favor. I don't know. Um, I mean, he was still on his way out of director jail for for. Well, let's not even get into that. I uh, actually don't know, so I'll have to. Oh, look you it don't up. know? Oh, no. it's, it's not a good story. You don't know? It's, it's not even like funny. It's it's a tragedy. Okay, no, then maybe it's, it's, I'll, maybe I'll look it up off air. Oh yeah, I mean, I think I don't know if this is his first movie back from Twilight Zone. The movie there are three directors in that, but whatever. I can understand why he would make a little movie that's all set in one place. Let's put it that way. Uh, okay. What were we talking about? Boy, I'm, I'm, I, I was talking about was Seinfeld references and... Oh, yeah, but I thought that guy was really funny, and I, I meant to look up, who is this guy, and do I know him from anything else? And I never, I'm i sure never he's done bothered. a lot of other stuff, too, but I will, oh, I've used the line many times in my life, and we'll continue, oh, we could not do the show altogether. How about that? Uh, what did he say to the priest when uh, Donnie Michi, when he showed up? He's like... Do they- Welcome, Father. Enter at your own risk, or whatever. Is, something yes. like that. He's got a lot of good things when he answers the door. Yeah, and and let's just say too. I'll, I'll go to my next one and then let you go. But can I ever see Donamichi and not think Mortimer Duke? It's impor- It's impossible for me. Yeah. Well, that's that's a John Landis movie, also. So that that explains it. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I mean, Donamichi was a big star like back in the forties and fifties. It's uh, I've, I've never seen any of his like movies when he was like in his prime, a, a like lead actor. Yeah. But yeah, he was a he was a big deal. He's funny in his little role in this. I thought he was. Yeah, you know, he good. made the most of his. Whatever that line was, he's just like. I'm very confused. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> he just shows up to be like, to have his head spin and then leave. Pretty much right. Um, oh, so speaking of small parts in this movie, the, the, whose voice uh, struck a chord, the girl, there's that rival mob boss. We didn't talk about him at all, but he's there's like a rival mob boss. He's like, I'm convinced that uh, Snaps isn't going straight. He's up to something. He's joining well, forces with so-and-so. And he shows up at the end. Because he gets a tip from uh, oh, yeah. a, a stoolie who also has another stereotype. The stutter, the stutter, yeah. But go ahead. Sorry, this Kirk Douglas. We've watched two Kirk Douglas. We've watched two movies with Kirk Douglas in them, and both of them feature a comedic stuttering character. What, what does Kirk Douglas insist on this? Because <laughs> he, he, there was also one in uh, the villain. I can't. I can't imagine that. 
I, I'm not even sure why Kirk Douglas is in this movie, so I can't imagine. Yeah, that I don't know. That's it's a coincidence. A special guest, Kirk Douglas. All right, so go, give, it's funny he plays. I mean, it's not funny. He recently passed away, like you know, six months ago, whatever it was. Um, but he had a good run. He had a very good run. Yes, but that's what that was going to be my point. My point is in this movie in 1991, he was in the stage of his career where he was playing like feeble old men who are near death, and then he lived another 29 years. <laughs> So yes, Think he had a very that. good run. Yes, he did. I Spartacus had a good run. Sure, no doubt about it. Yeah. No, so talking... what were you saying about the other mob boss? Sorry. Oh no, um, a, a, a voice I recognize is there's there's that whole subplot where he's got his own crew and they're they're at the beginning they're kind of like ah, snaps it up to something and there's the, there's the girl there who's uh, doing his nails and she goes yes. finish your nails anything else I can do and he makes like kind of a look to the camera that voice I'm just like that is Harley Quinn it's got to be from the from the Batman oh, TV show yeah. and I, uh, is it. It is. Yeah. I it's it's funny that you mentioned that. I should have put that together. Now just as soon as you said it, I did. But a part of me would have also thought, well, wait a minute, isn't whoever the voice actor is that does Harley Quinn, isn't she just doing somebody from the nineteen, you know, twenties? Totally. Yeah. And that was the only thing that made me doubt it. It's like, is it is that actually her? Or is it just that's what you know, that's a stereotypical like, yeah. you know, secretary from the twenties, son, you know, Absolutely. whatever. And no, but it's her. So, do you know the trivia about the really, maybe not crazy line, but the line that that mob boss has at the end of the movie about pizza? No. Order a pizza, we'll be back in an hour? I, I looked it up. So, he did some commercial for Godfather's Pizza, I think, oh, around that this time. Did? Yeah, that okay. actor. And the, the line, get your pizza in an hour or whatever. So, that, that was oh, like... Oh, that's, that's disappointing. <laughs> what a lame, what a lame inside joke about an ad campaign. At least, I just at least, ruined it a little bit for you, didn't well, I? Well, at least if you don't know that fact, it's totally an invisible reference. It is. So you don't even know that they're making a reference. That is true. I was just thinking about, um, I forget, there was some YouTube video I was reading where I, I was reminded, or YouTube video I was reading? YouTube video I was watching where I was reminded of, in Scary Movie 2, they did a reference to like a Nike commercial that was on at the time. It was like a whole sequence where they're like parodying this commercial and it's like... Now, 20-something years later, who remembers that commercial? You watch, now, nowadays, you watch Scary Movie 2, and you're going, what is this sequence where they're just dribbling basketballs? <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's the, so at least... I, I kind of actually want to see that now. Um, I, I, I remember the ad campaign and the scene from, from Scary Movie 2 when I saw this video. I was like, oh, yeah, they, did, they totally did parody that commercial. <laughs> so at, the, at least, you know, that's... You, know, you don't, you don't see, have to See, and know. the funny thing, though, now that you mention that, though, there are commercials... And ad campaigns outside of the really iconic ones, you know, Apple with its first commercial in the Super Bowl. I'm talking that were not even the you know the Budweiser frogs. There there were a lot of commercials, especially around sports, that I still do remember. Well, and speaking of references to sports commercials, one of our favorite jokes in any movie, in Hot Shots Part Two, is a reference is. to an NBA. But that movie still works, even if you don't know the reference. Yes. It's still funny. Because of the performance, and because, but in, in this case, you don't even know it's a joke. Order a pizza. Well, I, in, in this case, I just assumed order a pizza. We'll be back in time to eat the pizza. Yeah. We're just gonna go kill him and come right back. I think that was really all I took from it. All right. So then, uh, one of my little—it's not necessarily little details, but one of the jokes that did land for me and that I, I laughed at—and it was a Stallone. Uh, go sit on my atrium and get the hell off of my atrium. Both made me laugh, both on his performance and the choice. <laughs> that clearly his word a day calendar. He's not really learning yeah. the words that well. 
He's trying though. He's got an elocution uh, coach. Tells him about uh, the about rum, his, about his diction. The rum runner. I, I've got that written down somewhere. The the, the phrase that his he's using. Receipts. Yes. Rub, rubbed out Rocco. The something something. He, I love how pleased uh, Doctor Poole is. Where he's not getting anywhere, and he's like, "I know what I'll do. I'll I'll connect I'll, with him at his level. I'll make it about organized crime." Yeah, Tim Curry is so pleased with himself. He's working. It's uh, by Jove. I've done it. Um, anyway, oh, okay, so, so I did some math when it comes to, so we know that uh, Anthony started stealing a nickel a beer, uh, from, from, uh, Snaps. Yes. And we know he ended up with exactly $48,642.30. Luckily, he was very specific. Did he, did he wind up with that much, or is that the jewelry conversion rate? Yeah, well, I have a question about that. We we, we can save that until then, because I also have that question. Yeah, I, I... All right, well, go ahead, go ahead. You, do you see? I assume... Okay, I think we just have to talk about it now if I'm doing this math. I assume <laughs> over the years he stole $48,642.30 and then recently decided to buy these precious jewels with that money, and now he just presumes those jewels are worth exactly that much, even though obviously... That's they, prob- the, probably the, fair. The, the, they probably depreciated, though, sort yeah. of like a car. I think he's not He's he's not uh, realizing that the value can fluctuate. I think he just assumes, well, I, I bought them for this much, so that's how much they're worth. Anyway... So we know, he explains that when they changed the price of beer, there was an error, and that's how he ended up with an extra five cents per beer. And he made that change on the date of the St. Valentine's Massacre, because we yes. know, because Snaps was out of town. and uh, He was busy. He was, yeah, he was busy, yes. And then we know the current date of the day that this movie is occurring, because we see a newspaper at the beginning. Ripping so, on bankers, of course. Um, what was the even highlight? I, I didn't write down anything from that newspaper headline. I have one from the Provolone's clipping that they have. Oh, it was, <laughs> it was, it was more about the Great Depression and banks failing more than anything. Else. Yeah, that's that's all I remember. It was, it was like four million unemployed, and yeah, so yeah, yeah, it was yeah. basically setting that it's the Great Depression. Anyway, so so the Saint Valentine's Massacre was on February fourteenth, nineteen twenty nine, and the date of that the movie is taking place on is October fifth, nineteen thirty one. So you're going to... So two and a half Did you years. do the math to see how many beers he had to sell? That's exactly what I did. <laughs> of course you did. Luckily, I mean, it, it made sense. It ended with 30 cents, and it was five cents a beer. So it's like, okay, that's, that, that rounds correctly. So at a nickel a beer, he has stolen... So presumably, this is, the, this is every beer that Snaps has sold. 972,846 <laughs> beers sold over the course of 963 days. And that is an average of 1,010 beers per day, which I think is a pretty good, that's a pretty good business he's running during Prohibition to sell 1,000 beers a day. I think so. And I, I couldn't tell, where, where do you think this is supposed to take place? It's, it's obviously not Chicago. Yeah, it's not clear. It's not Chicago. Because he has to travel. I think, but it feels like it's not far from Chicago. I, I wonder if it's like Cleveland or something. I was going to say, it feels like he's a Midwest mob boss. It does feel like it's the Midwest. It doesn't feel like Kansas City. I think you're right. I would guess Cleveland as well. Uh, Kansas City would work also, but it's intentionally vague. I didn't. I wasn't feeling Kansas City. That feels more like Cleveland. Just the streets. It's much. It has a approaching an East Coast flavor, yeah. the kind of the accents and everything. But yeah, it's not. That, I don't think it's supposed to be New York. It doesn't no, feel like New York. No, because he wouldn't. No, because maybe Philadelphia. Like that's maybe more. Philly, East Philly than, could be too. But I, I actually, I would have guessed Cleveland. So we're going to say Cleveland. Yeah, it's okay. So we, the reason I agree. say that. To sell a th- if your market's Cleveland, that might be a little aggressive. In how many he's doing a thousand a day? Well, why is that aggressive? I mean, I, 
I imagine let's let's figure he's. I don't he's know what the population to, of Cleveland was back in 1929. Well, but he says you know because uh, Anthony and Teresa when he thinks he's talking about Lisa, but uh, he's like you didn't even speak. You didn't even meet in one of my speakeasies, meaning he doesn't supply to whatever place that no, you mentioned. No, because his rival boss right is is the Club 22 or whatever it was. I, so, so how many speakeasies? I mean. It's, I don't think you can compare it to now because obviously bar operating a, a bar is legal and speakeasy got to hide it. So I don't know how many how many speakeasies th- speakeasies do you think there would have been in a town in like Cleveland? Cleveland at the time? Like thirty? Sure. So I mean, I if, no he's, if he's supplying to a third of them, maybe, and then so that's that's a hundred beers per speakeasy per night. It doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility. I just love that you did the math. I I appreciate of course. that. Well, there was enough information to figure it out, so I was going to do it. All right, so I have my next Seinfeld reference. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm very curious. Playing the banker named Millhouse, which was perfect in itself. Oh, is he like that kind of weaselly looking guy? Like, uh, well, there's two of them that are kind of weaselly looking. There's William Atherton, which is the most notable one. All right, well, there's, there's a kind of a heavy set guy and then a kind of a, a thinner guy. Well, there's two thinner guys. And are they're there? actually. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't remember the fourth guy then. Uh, well, the one I'm that uh, played Millhouse. You may remember him as Bob Cobb, who rented the last villa in Tuscany. He is the maestro on Seinfeld, my friend. <laughs> he is the maestro. He, he is the maestro. Honestly, wow. the smile was ear to ear. And it was, the. I mean, you know, this is 91. It's not that, you know, far removed, but the face I didn't recognize, there's some word he said at some point, I'm like, that's the maestro. That is <laughs> totally absolutely is the, maestro. the maestro. Luckily, he's the one I was thinking of. The kind of yeah, the, yeah. the thinner guy. Okay, well, that, that's I, I did not recognize him either. Well, there, there you go. go. Uh, I, I think I was too distracted by William Atherton, who I think is underutilized in this movie. Yeah. Oh, and I've got one. It's not a Seinfeld, but I got another another movie connection a little bit later on. But th- those were the two. I'm, uh, this has to be why George Costanza is obsessed with Marissa Tomei. <laughs> they all they all met on this set. I guess so. All right, so uh, and le- you know what? Let me cover my next one, too. All right. I, I said to myself, William Atherton seemed almost magnanimous compared to his compatriots in banking. He's the one pushing it, it's clear. He's well, the one who wants the money in the he, bank. He's he, pushing he will, it. He will hold his nose much more. He's much more happy to hold his nose than the rest of them. But he also seems, he's the most, not forgiving, he's the most likable of the bankers. So what I said is, I, I agree. Like, when William Atherton <laughs> yep. is the in, is the most likable, you are saying something so scathing about my yeah, profession. That's absolutely when, true. And I, I actually <laughs> I love William Atherton's performances in probably everything I've ever seen him in. That's a great point. But when he he's the high watermark, he's like an optical illusion. Like he's like a, he's like a, a moral optical illusion or something. Where like you know what I mean? Like you see those things where it's like. This this tile that's in the in the light and this tile that's in the shade are actually the same color. You know, you see those things in like uh, whatever, on the Twitter or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's exactly what it is. He seems so magnanimous. He because he's the only one going like we have to get to the, back to the bank. I've got a loan to deny. Right, whatever. they're all being just outrageous jerks. <laughs> it's so, so over when, the top as far as like the, the depiction. It's so they're when, just openly evil. Yes, when William Atherton, I mean. Think about it. Die hard ghost, but you, yeah. the go to in sure. the, I know this real is real genius, which is one that I think gets <laughs> forgotten. Underrated. A lot. He is the go to smarmy guy you want to hate. Mm-hmm. He is the best of them. Sure. It's so scathing of yeah. my profession. Absolutely. All right. I so. felt bad for him because I don't remember. Did he get. I mean, none of them actually got arrested, right? They eventually no. were cleared. They, like, they basically just all get back in their car. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah so okay. their bank may fail. If they really needed the capital, their bank may fail. 
Yeah, I felt bad for him because I feel like his this deal he obviously was working very hard on and was important to him. It fell apart through no fault of his own. <laughs> He's, he definitely seemed because yeah. the incompetent police across the street right. raid the place. Yes, exactly. Well, there were a lot of bags coming in and out, so that's just cause right there. That's justifiable. <laughs> and just keep opening them and emptying them. <laughs> exactly. Yes, but only the ones that have underwear. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> The weight does not matter in this universe, by the way. I, you know, oh, no. I don't have, you know, I, there's women's underwear in my house. I'm, I, I can tell you, I've, you know, carried bags for my wife. There's a big difference between a bag full of money and a bag full of well, underwear. It's a you know, hundred pounds of uh, cash and a hundred pounds of ladies' underwear. This would be the same. It's like the feathers. And it the... would be, but there's not a hundred pounds of <laughs> no, underwear. No, definitely in not. There. No, I agree. It's it's it is the most absurd thing. It's, it, it, it this movie loves that too. I'm just it, nobody learns their lesson. Snaps does it twice. <laughs> Actually, you know who does? There's one. Anthony does check when he gets the jewels. Well, they made the exchange. They both check. I noted that because Snaps looks really? inside and sees the money. Yes, okay. I noted because I was like, okay, something. There was some kind of some. They didn't trust each other clearly. No, but I didn't trust the movie. I'm going like the contents of these bags are not what I think they are. are, are there, and then they both check. I'm like, oh, okay, there was no switcheroo there. They both totally right, told I, the truth. I miss snaps, but it's yeah. very odd because they zoom, you know, they have a camera shot, Jules. They don't do it for snaps. Well, I think that's the last time we get those establishments. It's like a shell game where this movie is, trying, yes. is moving the bags around and you're not entirely sure who has what. But, uh, oh, so I, so let's get to, no, let's get to my uh, newspaper clipping of the... the uh, what are they? What's the brothers' names? I already forgot. Fenucci's. Fenucci's. Yes. Oh, I can't. You know how I remember that, right? I okay. think that was an intentional choice too. Of uh, what? Don Fenucci from The Godfather. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. It's been a he long just, time since I've watched The Godfather. He just Although wants I, to wet his beak. The most. He's recent, not greedy. He just wants to wet yeah, his beak. I forgot about. Oh, I, I love that line. I forgot about Don Fenucci. Yeah. The most recent Godfather I have watched is Godfather Three because they the Coppola just put out that new yeah. cut. It is nominally better. It's not good it's not as good as the other two i mean I, unless you're reshooting a bunch of stuff i don't know how you could make it markedly better they, it, it is better they rearrange the opening so that it makes more sense because i remember the, you know we watched godfather 3 and said, god this opening scene is taking forever and they're, they're trying to match the wedding from the first movie and the party at the at lake tahoe in the second movie it's like oh this is this is how a godfather movie should start with a big party but uh Boy, that opening, that that party scene in Godfather Three is so long and boring. <laughs> it's just a bunch of stuff that I we just don't pretend care it about. doesn't exist because the first two were two of the greatest movies ever made. Anyway, yeah, the, the the recut coda, the Godfather coda, is not up to snuff, but it's it's better than Godfather Three. So I will remember they are the Fenucci's because Don Fenucci. Fenucci. Anyway, the newspaper clipping, and you know how much I like looking at newspaper clippings in movies. So the the headline is Babyface Barzini slain in Clam House, and it's their suit. He's murdered, and then he's wearing a suit. Oh, look at. Our suit is in the newspaper. And as you know, there's two kinds. Of, it's either a real article that has nothing to do with the headline or yeah. it's the gibberish, like, fake uh, text that movies love. So which do you think this is? I will read you the text of the article. Uh, I'm going to guess this is a gibberish one. It is a gibberish one. All the right. facts regarding the situation remain the same. Details concerning the action have been given preliminary investigation, but it is felt that only by more detailed study will the true facts become known. <laughs> That is gibberish. I love I love those. The, now that I'm looking for them, whenever it's that, whenever it's the fake text that the movie studios have ready, um, it, I always love it when it's that. I think my favorite of your investigations, though, still is the Christian Slater in Bullet. Was it Bullet to the Head? Yeah, I think it was Bullet to the Head. Christian Slater? Oh, uh, oh yeah, he was in the movie. I forgot he was in the movie. Uh, what was the context? His mansion, right? I think it was his mansion. Yeah, you zoomed oh, in yeah, trying no, to the, figure out. The Photoshop of the mansion, yeah, they shrunk it down to a little tiny. <laughs> That's what 
What's the scale of the they, house? They they photoshopped a gigantic like mansion plot and put it into a plot the size of like a regular house. Yes. And so like it, yeah, it would like a mouse would have to live there. Oh, it was great. All right. So I I'm not sure that this joke was great. I just love that there could be a connection to one of um my favorite movies. I think one of your favorite movies and the movie that we started this podcast on. The disarmament of That's literally my next note. Oh, <laughs> Perfect timing. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You started. I mean, I, I have a comment about this gag, but um, yeah. So I mean, the, the I'm gonna guess. I I don't know. It, it's hard to know if Oscar is being stolen from by Jack Slater and Last Action Hero. But the I I so badly wanted the line is that all sport because that's not that's not what Stallone the line is. He just says is that all. I, I wanted like- it to be is that all sport. I feel like this movie, this gag was done in multiple movies. I'm sure. Isn't there a similar gag in one of the Naked Gun movies? It's either, I was going to say Naked Gun or even Hot Shots. I'm going to guess it's, probably it's been Hot done Shots, before. Yeah. But whatever. It's, I'm sure it's been done before, but I immediately went to the opening of, oh, I guess the, the, the final scene of Jack Slater 4. Yes. Which is the opening of Last Action Hero. Yes. Yeah, I think in both cases it doesn't go on long enough. I think that was my problem. I mean, this, Jack this, Slater three. Sorry about that. I think it's Jack Jack Slater four. Right. Yeah, Jack, Jack, the ending the ending Jack, Jack Slater, Slater three. three. Yes, go yes, ahead. It's been a long time. Uh, yeah, I think this this should have gone on longer. Like the thing that it made what? me the thing that it made me think of is the is sideshow Bob stepping on rakes in this, in this <laughs> sense. Of, where a joke like this, it shouldn't be. That shouldn't be funny, by the way. But it's so funny. No, but I'll explain why. No, but it's exactly right. Is, is a joke like this? It starts off funny, like oh, that's a funny joke. Oh, he stepped on a rake. Oh, he's got like four. And then, but then the longer it goes, it stops being funny. It's like this is going on too long. But then if you keep going and push through the you unfunny just, part, like, you just you've got to push through so it's so long it's absurd, and then it gets really funny. And they didn't push through hard. They didn't quite reach that second layer of funny in this movie. I thought it needed to go on another like thirty seconds. Of just increasingly, I mean, he's got very absurd. He's got a medieval mace, you know. Like it gets really absurd. The mace made me laugh, but damn you! Now I'm going to be thinking about Sideshow Bob the rest of this episode because that is one of my favorite sequences. Yeah. That should not be funny. It should not well, be funny to me because that distills this kind of a joke down to its bare minimum. All he's doing is stepping on rakes. There's nothing really funny about it. I mean, it's, it's the dumbest joke. But you take any joke and extend it to the point where it's like, this is going on way too long, and then you're just laughing about how long it's going on. And I think in The Simpsons they said it was just because that episode was short. Let's just, let's just keep doing it. Just loop it. I it's think that's, funny that's why. I, I haven't... Uh, it's been years since I listened to any of the commentaries, but every once in a while I'd throw in the DVDs and listen to a commentary. And I, I distinctly remember, I think it was Al Jean talking about, you know, when he'd be in the writer's room, oh, crap. He said something that you can always tell when we were struggling to meet the episode link, because we'd have Bart and Lisa basically bantering back and forth about something, re- you know, repeatedly to elongate right. <laughs> to meet the episode timeline. Boat ride, pony ride, boat ride, pony ride. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It might have been that episode he was talking about. It. All right. Well, then uh, you, you go ahead and go next, because Jack Slater was... Was technically my my note, even though you had it at the exact same time. I only have all I have left is, and then you're going to be surprised at how long this list is. I wrote down just moments and lines that I thought were funny, and it's actually pretty long. So I don't know, maybe I should do a, a chunk of these and go back to you. All right, that's they're fine. just in chronological order. Well, I'll start with this. Can you explain to me why? Maybe not explain because this is isn't the right segment. But I just wanted to note. Out of nowhere, and I thought that this was go- because it's a pl- an adaptation of play of a play. I was afraid it was going to turn into a musical. In the middle of this movie, there becomes like a blues performance with Anthony and the two Finucci brothers. I had I'm, 
what is going on? He was he was feeling the blues because uh, you know he his life is falling apart. He's being forced to marry Elisa, and he sees the pianos. I'm going to express how I'm feeling by okay. singing the blues. All right, well, give or me playing your, the blues. Give, give me yeah, because he's not singing. That's well, for it's sure. a setup. We never talked about how uh, Snaps tricks Anthony into thinking that the Fanucci's are contract killers. And kind of like tries to scare him that, into that, yeah, that marrying his daughter, but saying like, if you don't, I'm, I'm gonna have them kill you. And yeah, because Anthony points out you can't do anything to me because you're going straight today. So, yeah, but the Fanucci's aren't right. And there's a whole scene where they, they're talking about their tailoring tailoring business, and he thinks they're talking because he shows being they killed. show him the picture of the mob boss. Right. Maybe yeah. we maybe we do you sometime. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, obviously, like it's it's. It is so unlikely to to be uh, like the the things that have to happen in order to make that joke work. It's just it's, uh, but it worked for me. All right, I'll just rattle through some lines that I thought were, were funny. All so, right. so Anthony was some other. He was offered a job with some other mob guy, which is he's he's asking Snaps to match it. Yes, because he wants to start fourteen hundred a month or whatever it was. And Snaps offers twelve hundred. He, yeah, yeah, he doesn't give him the full fourteen. But. Um, so Anthony's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so mob boss. He needs a new bookkeeper. bookkeeper. His last one died in his sleep. And then Stone's like, you don't think that cheap hood would shoot him in, while he's awake, do you? I thought that was a funny joke. Why? He died in his sleep because the guy shot him. Like, oh. I, thought that, I thought that was clever. <laughs> I'd never heard that joke before. I don't know. I thought it was funny. I was actually confused by it. I didn't get, I honestly, I didn't get the joke. So maybe the, you, you assume when you say he died in his sleep that he died, died of natural causes. No, he shot, this mob guy shot his bookkeeper and, and while he was sleeping. I thought it was a funny joke. I'm, I don't think I'm doing it justice. I think I, I phrased it wrong. Um, the the, the uh, maid, the first time she walks up to Stallone, she's like, can I have a word with you, Mr. Provolone? And he just stops for a second. No. <laughs> and just keeps walking. I don't know. That, that struck me as very funny. Just no. Um... When the Fanucci's show up, and they, they, he's like, come into my library. We'll do the fitting in my library. And they're like, oh, so many books. I've never seen so many. Yeah, yeah, reading's my passion. <laughs> I thought his, the, Stallone's line delivery, a lot of his, pretty good. these line deliveries, I think he really nailed it. Um, another Fanucci. We make you look like a banker. Take off your pants. <laughs> made me laugh. All these made me laugh. I can tell you right now, I don't take off my pants at work. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what the implication of that is. I'm not sure if there is some kind of uh, what they're getting at. <laughs> the name for the chauffeur Johnny Elbows <laughs> that made me laugh she, his wife comes in I'm, I'm never driving with that chauffeur again Johnny Elbows <laughs> just something the name Johnny Elbows I'm imagining him driving with his elbows <laughs> I like that idea his name is Johnny Elbows I just thought this, uh, for, for a like, comedic mob name yeah. something about Johnny Elbows just struck me as very funny the dramatic the dramatic cut to the rabbit on the wallpaper when it's revealed that Oscar is the quote unquote father of her non-existent child that made me laugh dramatic dramatic music cut to rabbit on the wallpaper you're not uh, no okay. well i was i can stop there you're obviously the, not, no the dramatic couple you you there there is a little bit more deeper meaning to that too right you know that well yeah the, the, the rabbit test or whatever yeah, it's the, like yeah. exactly yeah yeah that wasn't even why i thought it was, it, it, oh that's like <laughs> you were giving it more credit than i just thought it was a funny cut i just thought like let's get the rabbit I, let's get the rabbit wallpaper that, no i reaction thought to this. i thought that's what you were referring to well it's actually more clever than i realized then so there you go i also enjoyed later when uh there's a fanucci's reaction where it's like she slept with the 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 chauffeur and then cut to the Fanucci's like <gasps> and they look at each other like in a very hilarious reaction I liked the Fanucci roll call of all the fake children that uh, the that the lawyer from Jurassic Park has. There, there are a lot, and one of them's the milkman. 
milkmans. Um, well, one me. of them was potentially fathered by the milkman. Yes. The, I, I don't know uh, if those kids. I assume those kids are not actually real. They just no. don't want to marry Lisa. That's uh. they're trying to get out of marrying Lisa. Because his list includes Big Luigi, Little Luigi, and Luigi Junior. He's got three kids named Luigi. Yeah, we already talked about um, him, the misunderstanding of, of uh, Anthony thinks that the Venusians are contract killers. I thought that whole run was funny. When we get through with you, nobody's going to recognize you. I thought the, the yeah. whole thing was I cleverly think, I phrased. Think, I think, yes, that one did land for me. Um, I will, I'll grant that one. Uh, Snaps' his wife tells uh, Snaps something, 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 not in front of the help. And he goes, Trust me, he's no help <laughs> referring to Chaz Palminteri. Poor, poor Chaz. <laughs> Ch- I thought Chaz Palminteri was very funny. I did too. He was kind of this kind of he, he's the, he's an ox and a moron but the, the whole movie of he's him a sucker feeling, for love too he is yes yeah he's very swept away by lisa and dr uh whatever pool pool's uh romance i almost called him dr fauci <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> that's the, that's the word that followed a doctor in my brain um but I, I enjoyed how he's the whole movie he's like struggling to keep up with like what is happening he's trying to there's a whole thing about like but he's he's the one who figures out teresa's his daughter yeah he does and but i like how when he catches up he's like i got it i know it like he's so excited to be to understand what's happening i have the whole run between him and stallone which i thought was very fun he's like snaps are you sure there was cash in that bag this is after he loses the cash yeah anthony stole it if little anthony stole it then he's got it no you blockhead he stole it and then he gave it back to me why did he give it back to you to buy the jewels what jewels i like that whole that whole thing i'm halfway done i'll stop um <laughs> it keeps going on and on but that whole run i enjoyed um don amici's line i have here this is all very confusing <laughs> uh what else i'm skipping some of these uh, we basically talk- got the whole movie. There were a lot of lines I thought was funny. I, I enjoyed Doctor Pool like humoring snaps about like, look, this is money. We already talked about that, that. one. Was I, Tim Curry is just really really funny. I'm skipping mostly Tim Curry lines. I, um, when uh, Snaps tells his wife, "Oh no, Lisa's marrying somebody else. She's not marrying Anthony anymore." Who? Doctor Pool. And then up upstairs, he's like, "Hello." And yeah. he, he kind of pokes his head over. Get back I thought in there. That that uh, you know Tim Curry's uh, moment there was very funny. And then um, I enjoy his, he's playing off the champagne since it's prohibition and the bankers and like he doesn't want them to know he's breaking prohibition. Oh no, we only use it for yacht christening. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a funny line. Agreed. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Listening oh, I to thought you I thought you were going to split them up. No, no, no. I, I just blasted through them. All right. Well, my my last is a connection. I was very excited, even though barely had any lines. Webster, Beetroot's hired gun from Twins, as one of the reporters that's there. And he's got a question for Lieutenant Toomey, played by Kurtwood Smith. You know, I don't remember what, Webster. Oh, I, I got my driving gloves. Well, I, remember, I got I, my driving hat, but what I don't have is my car. Oh, he was in the movie. Yeah, that actor. That actor. Oh, I missed him. Yeah, no, he was one of the, he was the re- only reporter I think that really had any any lines. He only oh. had two lines. He didn't have much. But I'm like, oh, where's Beetroot? I need Beetroot McKinley. Oh, right, because he's not Beetroot. In my mind, no, his name Beetroot. is Beetroot. Beetroot. No, his, yeah, yeah. no, his name is Webster. He's the driver for so Beetroot. I, yeah, I, I've made this mix up before. Right? In my brain, because Beetroot is such a great yeah, name. In my brain, his name is Beetroot McKinley. But you're right. That, that was the other guy. It was yeah. Beetroot. He's yeah. Webster. He works for Beetroot McKinley. You're right. Okay. Oh, I missed him. I didn't notice him. Yeah, so that that was. I like that actor, and every time I see him, I'm, I'm sorry I missed. Got him. my driving gloves. I got my driving hat. What I don't, don't have, have is a car. <laughs> All right, you ready for the devil's advocate? I mean, I'm not actually. I, I navigated away, <laughs> and I shouldn't have. Okay, now I'm ready. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. 
at the Devil's Advocate, the segment of the show where we have come up with questions to ask each other, and we do our best to answer one another. Yeah, as, as usual, ton. we covered a, a lot. Yeah, we covered a lot. I don't have a ton, but I have a few. You want to go first? Or you want me to? What do I have here? Okay, well, I touched on this a minute ago, so let's start with this. So when Anthony goes to Snaps and says, oh, so-and-so has made me this offer at 1400 a week or a month, yeah, and uh, I just want you to match it, and Snaps just takes that on faith, like, oh, I guess I, guess, uh, I shouldn't validate this at all. So was Anthony being honest, or is this just a lie? Ooh, um, I think it's a lie, actually. Anthony clearly is not... A- <laughs> No, not <laughs> enough. E- even in the world of these crooks, he's he, not an honest. He's a dishonest crook. Yeah, he is. No honor among. He thieves. He is not an oxymoron. No, no honor among thieves. No, I think he's completely fabricated. He right. seems like the most straight arrow in terms of the way he behaves. Like I am, I am an accountant. I am a very straight arrow man. No, he is. He's the worst. Of he's them. stolen a hundred grand. Yes. Well, he stole fifty grand, and then only, only when he lost the first fifty grand did he steal another fifty. He, he never he never was in possession of a hundred grand. He's chasing his losses. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I answered that one. My first. Okay. Shouldn't a paid informant have some level of detail on the information that he's providing? Because the informant just says. Something big is going down, and then later he perf- he confirms, oh, yeah, it's O'Banion. Right. He, he actually has no information whatsoever. I wonder if there was something cut, some kind of setup where there's there's like a, a resemblance between the bankers and the O'Banion gang, because everyone believes this, because it doesn't, don't oh, yeah. they, doesn't Kurtwood Smith also believe yes. it's the O'Banion gang? Yeah, everyone, they're taking like photos of them. Hey, there's the, here's their trigger man. And it, I actually think it might be the maestro is actually the trigger man. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I didn't write down any of those names. Of uh, I, I, well, That was another question of mine is, I assume those were the O'Banion yeah. gang members. Yes. He wasn't just like making stuff up to no, impress no, the I, press. Okay. No, I think those were O'Banion. Okay, gang. I thought so. I wasn't sure. Uh, yeah, I, I guess... Uh, there just must be a very, very. There must be a guy who looks exactly like Will, William Atherton, who's in the O'Banion gang, you know, and all those guys have, you know, the equivalents. All right, like that that kid who solves the itchy and scratchy. <laughs> Couldn't have done it without my brainish sister Eliza, you know. It's uh, Le- Lester, Lester, and Eliza, Lester and Eliza. Yeah, but something big. That's what he's selling information. Something big is going down. Today. Well, he's right. The bankers are there to sign a big deal. He, that part he was correct about. Something big. He was going to become a board of directors, as he says. And, and now that we've <laughs> talked about this out loud, it does lean towards Chicago because Dean, the Dino Banyan gang was you know a rival of of Al Capone. So yeah. I don't think it's Chicago because you know, he says he goes to the St. Valentine's Day massacre, but it doesn't make sense to have the name O'Banion in it. Either. Well, but I think the implication was that whatever gang that they think he's meeting with is from out of town. So that actually makes sense. Yeah, I guess... Oh, I, I, I didn't think about that, that it would have been out of town. Then then you're right. Because there's three gangs. There's the guys we see who show up at the end to try to... They're going to kill Snaps and everybody. They just... They, it's the, the ones who the informant is informing. I forget yeah. that guy's name, but he's not the uh, O'Banion gang. Ven, not Vendetti, but some, something. Something, yeah. yeah. Right. So Might have been Vendetti, actually, but whatever. So yeah, I imagine that... That guy and Snaps have been fighting over whatever town this is, fighting over control for years, and now the O'Banion gang coming from outside and tipping the scales is a concern, and that's why he's, that. he's taking right. action. Right. Maybe that's why he's not bothering. I mean, nobody is validating anything in this movie, including the contents of bags that are being flipped. <laughs> this is a world where whatever I believe is true must be true, and okay. I will validate nothing. Trust and do not val- verify. <laughs> do not verify can, ever. Can I ask another thing about the bags while we're on the topic? Sure. Is there a reason why Snaps is able to open the bags, but the maid is not? 
When is she not able to open the bag? I don't remember that part. She she said, I tried to open the bag and couldn't. That's when she realized it wasn't her bag with her underwear. Oh. They're all the same bag. All you do is go like this. There's not a combination lock on it. Right. It's just it a was, clasp. Yes. Yeah. It was absurd. I couldn't I didn't open pick up it. On that. Yeah, it was so stupid. I thought I thought she just said she opened it and it wasn't what she expected. And but no, if you presume if she, if she saw a bunch yeah, of jewels would, in there, she's not going back. For you the would underwear. assume. Okay. Well, let's talk about the bags in general. Let's just track through the bags. There's three bags. Here we go. Pick the we, red. We need ahead. Pick the black. Set your bag. <laughs> well, I think we need to get into this because. Um, <laughs> no, so Anthony don't. shows up. We do. I I need to know, know for sure. I understand what I was. Anthony shows up. He ha- well, the maid presumably has the bag in the house somewhere. We don't see it. Yes. So that's a, technically the first bag in the house. With just her underwear. Just her underwear. Then Anthony shows up with a bag full of precious gems. And yes. he's spent her, his 48000 and change. It's Correct. They, they make an exchange where Anthony... There's no gets tricked out of He gets tricked out of the, the gems because he believes that he needs to give the gems in order to, yeah. to marry Teresa, believe in Teresa's blah, blah, blah. So essentially, just Snaps gets one over on Anthony. He gets a bag. He yes. has the bag. Yep. And Anthony has been fooled. Then Anthony's carrying the bag when he's talking to Dr. Poole, puts it down. The maid accidentally takes the bag, leaves the underwear, takes the bag out. You're saying that she can't open the bag. Yes. So then... She comes back. There's, there's the first misunderstanding where, uh, where, where uh, Snaps is going to give the jewels to Dr. Poole to marry Lisa and dumps it out in its underwear. I'm not sure I quite understand, or whatever he says, the first time. Um, then Snaps gives the bag to his butler. The butler exchanges with... Is, is it... No, she, the, the maid comes back. Wearing a furred coat and, wear, and acting very haughty and just like doing like a wave, like a royal wave. Yeah, All she of a got sudden, the coat very quickly. She's been with this guy, this rich guy, for t- 10 seconds and already she's acting like I she's I don't even think she all. ever made it to the house. I think they turned around to like go get her bag because she couldn't open the bag. I guess I guess so. But then why is she checking her bag? What does she have to look at on the way home? I don't even know why I she... I assumed she got back to that guy's place and was trying to unpack. Uh, she couldn't open the bag. I'm telling you that that line is in the movie. It made oh, no I, sense. I, I believe you because that didn't. He, he, I didn't believe that she would bring it back. Why is she bringing this back? She like, shouldn't have. But here's the other thing. Why? I, this is one of my questions. I'm going to ask it now. We're talking about the bags. Yeah. Let's just roll our bag She's questions into one big question. She's got a fur coat and Bruce Underwood's money. Why does she care about her old underwear? She can just go buy whatever underwear she would ever want. Underwear is underwear wherever you buy it. Yes. <laughs> well, Sorry, I had to get a rain man no, in there. She she seems more concerned about the bag than the underwear. Like it seems like a fancy bag. Anthony's using it. You know. <laughs> I'm not buying. She Anthony has about two the of bag. these bags, right? Because then he comes back with a different bag with the money, right? <laughs> yes. So he he likes this bag enough that uh, he's buying multiple versions. He's got he's got a okay. whole closet full of his bags. All right, we're gonna pivot back. So she comes back because she couldn't open it, the, and, the, and this this is the swap that she winds up with. The underwear again. Yes. Okay. So at, at this point, there has been no switcheroos of any kind. Everything that we believe has happened has happened, right? So now the jewels. Now, now Snaps has the jewels. The maid has the, the her underwear back and her bag back. But and then there's going to be an exchange between Anthony and no. Snaps for the jewels and some money. But no, hold on. The chauffeur comes back at some point. The, show, is it, is right, the, show, the chauffeur winds up coming back, and that's where that's where the problem. The that's switch- where the switcheroo begins. Yes. Uh, yeah, because okay. And I wasn't clear why this was happening. Is it, is it a misunderstanding between the chauffeur and the maid, or is it the chauffeur realizing something's up and... No. It's because Provolone calls Underwood, says, You got the wrong bag. Oh. And then, but they have already turned around in the car before they actually this get back. This is a back. different driver. 
It's either a different driver or the maid couldn't open the bag. For whatever reason, she wanted to go through her underwear in the car. Got I'm it. not sure why. Okay. So she turned around of her own volition. That's how she wound up with the wrong the, the jewels. So off screen, she realizes on the drive home, I've got the wrong bag. Turn around. Tells She tells the guy, turn around. Yeah. Because she couldn't open the bag. Right. She They exchanged the bag. She's got her underwear back. She gets to her, her fiance's house, whatever. Right. Then, then that guy tells the driver, the driver, you need to go back up. and yeah. exchange these bags. Yes. Unbeknownst. That's, a, that's how the switcheroo happens. And then he exchanged the bag. So there was no ill intent. It was a mistake. Okay. Like yeah. most things in this movie. It's a, yes, there's a mix-up. Of course. A wacky mix-up. Okay. Yeah. So, now, so now the driver has the jewels. Correct. He has brought back the underwear again. Yes. And then Snaps believes that this now has the jewels. Yes. Swaps that. Because Anthony now admits to embezzling 50 grand by basically right. writing a bogus check. He wants to buy He the, gets it in cash. He wants the jewels back because the jewels remind him of Teresa, which is stupid, <laughs> but whatever. Well, he wants to give the jewels to Teresa, which is the whole point. How he do was they giving, remind? It's not like she ever wore them. It was no, dumb. And she clearly didn't care because you care about those jewels more than me. <laughs> Um, yeah, so at this point, he should know better, but he has this in his head. He's going to give, he already had the jewels when he started, and his plan was to give them to to Teresa as a kind of a dowry, like, wedding gift, yes. thinking that Teresa was Snaps' daughter, he was going to give it through Snaps, but now that he knows that she's not his daughter, he just wants the jewels back so he can give them to Teresa directly, so that's why he wants the jewels back, and he's, yes, he's stolen 50,000 more dollars to buy them back, yeah, which I, I just buy, at this point... This movie is so ridiculous. It's like, okay, fine. Yeah, Snaps is going to go along with this. But Snaps gives, unbeknownst to Snaps, he gives, no, he doesn't give the underwear back to Anthony, right? No, Anthony never has the underwear. Right. So, no, so so the, so I was right. The, the the chauffeur comes back later, exchanges the the underwear for the cash, right? Because doesn't, the second time he dumps out underwear to Dr. Poole, he believes the cash that time. Yes. So I think, I think, uh. Yeah, I've lost track of these bags. I feel I feel like I had it at some point, and now I've lost track of it because because Anthony and and Snaps make an exchange jewels for oh no they both have what they thought. Like they I said earlier, they, this is the one where so yeah, they really An- do make that exchange. Anthony opens it up outside. Yeah, yeah, okay. you see it. That's it. And so now it. Anthony has the jewels again. Anthony Snaps has the, jewels, has the cash. The cash. the cash gets mistakenly exchanged for the underwear. Yes, because he tells uh, Chad Palmentary, "Don't take your eyes off. Don't of this. take your eyes off it. He can't." Take his, he can't avoid the love story going on outside with Dr. Poole. Right. Although the butler comes and makes the switch yeah, okay. because that was a, that's Fritz, the order of operation. Fritz, the driver, shows up yes. with the, quote, wrong bag. Right. And winds up with the jewels. So then by the very end. Oh, he winds up with the money. He want, no, yeah, he Anthony want, has the jewels. Fritz has the money. Yeah, but there's one. And la- the maid has the underwear. Yes. And then there's one last swap in the end where the maid comes back. So the maid winds up with the jewels. A fur coat and the, and the cash yeah. and a millionaire husband. She is the one who is absolutely cleaned up. Okay, but why does she come back that last time? Is this time, is it's with ill intent to steal. She knows that there's been swaps going on. I wasn't sure why this last time she comes back again and makes another swap. She doesn't know about any of those swaps. I'm trying to think of why. There must have been another call to, to Bruce Underwood. That that's I, I'm probably missing oh, it. Oh yeah, you're the provolone right. once again calls because he dumps out he he dumps out the bag and he's got the underwear again. Yes. Okay. That, I guess that explains it. So he calls and they wind up coming and switching. But wait a minute, no one. Because he gets he gets the jewels back because because Anthony doesn't want them anymore because without Teresa that's they right. don't matter. So that's, that's right. So so she comes back, takes the jewels. But how does she leave the underwear? I guess I guess she just because she didn't. She did when Kurtwood Smith is in there. 
She the door is still open. Like right. the door is wide open. Yeah, the banker's can, walking, but no one's paying attention because of the hubbub going on. Right, the so hubbub going on. She goes and swaps them out one last time, and then Kurtwood Smith does his great reveal again. Nobody, nobody decides to check before they dump stuff, dump underwear out on the table. I guess I just yeah, I, I it's not worth uh, worrying about because it's obviously intended to be totally absurd and not not because yeah. it doesn't matter. But I was trying to follow it as best I could. I'm still not entirely sure about that last swap, but whatever. Yeah, all she right. ends up with all the cash and all the jewels. And, and the maid's name is Nora, because I have it here. Thank I had, why yes. couldn't Nora open the suitcase? Uh, all right, so here's here's a question I had for Anthony. So are we to believe he never got Teresa's real address? He's been dating her for, I, I'm assuming, a number of months, based on you know the timeline St. Valentine's Day Massacre, and he's ready to marry her, but he doesn't have her real address or phone number. Well, cause she's been lying to him saying that she lives at uh, Snaps's place. He never went to, he never went to check. He never picked her up for a I, date. I guess not. They were meeting at the speakeasy. Fine. Okay. She was finding excuses answer, but... every time because she had, uh, she had her own threes company uh, thing going on where she had, to, <laughs> she had to pretend like she lived at Snaps's house when she didn't. Can you imagine that actress delivering? No, no, I cannot. One second, Mr. Roper. I'll be right there at the door. <laughs> I'll be there in just a minute while I put out this fire. Yeah, her as the star of his company. An aurora borealis in my kitchen. <laughs> sure, yes. <laughs> um, no, I, I... Well, the the thing that was strange to me was that it's, th- it's obviously not the first time Anthony is at this house because he's uh, Snaps' bookkeeper. So how did he not know that L- Teresa didn't live there or that she wasn't it his daughter? None of it, that's the thing. Is none of it makes any of sense. Of course it doesn't make sense. But, uh, I mean, it, it's this question segment, I feel like, is unfair to this movie because, of course, none of these questions have answers. Right. It's a farce. It's farcical. That's fair. I only have one more question, so I, I, how many more do you have? I got a couple more. But I, right, some no, of these I might them. need to skip. Well, I was just wondering, uh, there's a line where uh, Stallone goes, if Dempsey had gotten the workout, I'm getting running up and down these steps, he wouldn't have lost his last fight. And I wasn't sure if... Do you think that's an intentional Rocky reference or an accidental Rocky reference? Ooh, a Rocky reference. I mean... He's literally talking about Jack Dempsey, Jack Dempsey but yeah. he's running up steps and talking about a boxer. And I, I, I thought, like, this is intentional or was this just... Did this just happen to be in the script? See, I didn't look to see if Stallone was the original... Originally intended, but I, you could have also made an adjustment to the script once Stallone was cast. I, I, I think it's fair to probably assume that it was probably intentional. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they could have picked out any any type of line about getting a workout. It didn't have to be, you know, a boxing jack down. I mean, that would have been yeah. prevalent back in the, in the time. But you, and running up the steps, yeah. yeah. No, I, I I think it was. I think you're probably I think, right. I, I think that's a good catch. I wasn't sure. Okay, we got, do we have anything else we haven't already talked about? I, I oh, only we, got we, one. we've already covered everything else in my question. All right, so I got go one last one. Can you tell me what is the basis for the warrant? That Lieutenant Toomey... The bags, he says. So that's your answer. I said this... Suspicious bags. <laughs> that's enough. That's enough for that's a warrant. That's probable cause. Okay. Well, I got These guys have been investigating snaps forever. And but they then, said he hasn't so much as spit on the sidewalk in three weeks. And you're going to get a warrant because there's suspicious bags? Yes, that's enough for probable cause. Okay. Suspicious bags. Uh, you know... <laughs> I, I, I thank you for making me laugh. I get the sense that Kurtwood Smith is maybe not on the up and up when it comes to uh, you know following police procedures and uh, you know following I just, due process. Well, I don't know about that. I just got that he, Lieutenant Toomey was incompetent. I didn't get that he was corrupt. He's definitely that also. Well, not not so much corrupt, but he wants this collar and he's gonna 
He's not listening to the logic. Well, he's not listening. Everyone, all his men are telling him like nothing's happening. He's not doing anything. Nothing, and he won't listen. He's just he's so fixated on making this arrest, and I he wouldn't. That's, that's all it is. He had to really play up to the reporters too when he, that this is gonna. Yeah, this is gonna make me really watch this while I open this bag and dump out their contents without Please looking at them sure first to take as many pictures as possible. Honestly, though, that that had happened so many times in this movie. I'm just like, do it again. Do the joke again. Just dump out the contents of this bag without looking. I am ready for this one more time. It's a, it's the it's the sideshow Bob Rakes thing again. It's just you do it enough times. It just it, it started to be very funny. I, I wanted three more instances of people dumping out that underwear without looking. I can tell you what I'm ready for. I am ready for the silk cozer okay, corner. Let's do it. Both of y'all. Yes, so this is the segment of the podcast where I sometimes take a deep dive into some piece of internet trivia that I found uh, that the movie sparked my interest, named in honor of Silk Cozart and his character in Eraser. So it's part of, part of the the game that uh, is, is now has been said is you need to guess whether or not I did it. Yes, and my guess is no. You're incorrect. Oh, all right. I got a treat. What? Not only do you have a treat, you have another game to play. Uh-oh. Is is this like when I needed to escape from prison? No, but it is it is like the one time when we played Scorsese or Sopranos when we did Copland. <laughs> I remember I've, that. I've got a that game was a show lot of for fun. It. All right. So here here let's let's get started. <laughs> Once again going to my prices right music. So Okay. The thing that I was curious about is there's a moment in this movie where the, the uh what are the Fratelli brothers? What is it? Fanucci. Fanucci brothers. Fanucci. Oh, thank you. They were playing a game called Scopa, because they kept saying, Scopa, Scopa. And I wasn't sure what that was. I looked up, and I was curious, what is this game? I don't know. And the rules of Scopa, and maybe it's because Star Wars has been in my mind recently with Mandalorian, but it just reminded me of the fake poker game Sabak in Star Wars. Like, all the rules and all the everything reminded me of it. So here's the game you're going to play. I'm okay. going to list rules and or trivia from either Sabak or Scopa. <laughs> And you're going to guess, is okay. this a rule from Scopa, the Italian card game from the turn of the 20th century, or is this a rule from Sabak, the fake card game from the oh Star Wars God. universe? So right. are you ready? Yes. And then what we're going to do, is that, just like we did with Scorsese or Sopranos, there's, I've got 21 here. Oh, man. They're okay. gonna have a, you're going to play a game of blackjack. <laughs> that will be your initial score in blackjack. I've got a deck here. I will shuffle as I ask. All right, let's go. All right, so here we go. Oh, those overlapped, and they shouldn't have. Here we go. Number one, the deck of 76 cards is divided into four suits, coins, flasks, sabers, and staves. What's the Star Wars one? Sabacc. You can Sabacc. say Star Wars. That's correct. All right. At the start of the round, each player is dealt two cards, but sometimes five, depending on the set of house rules in play. Scopa. Incorrect. That's also Sabacc. Ah! Only when all players have run out of cards, the dealer deals three new cards to each player. Scopa. That is Scopa, correct. You're two for three. All right. Keep track of your score, because I'll forget. At any point in the game, the cards may be shuffled without warning. Scopa. That is Sabak. Ah! Two of four. <laughs> a capture is made by matching a card in the player's hand to a card on the sa- of a same value on the table, or if that is not possible, by matching a card in the player's hand to the sum of the values of two or more cards on the table. Scopa. That is Scopa. Is that two involved? <laughs> Sabak has got some involved rules. You'll hear some later. Okay. Uh, or maybe you won't. So, the winner of each round is the player who holds the hand with absolute value closest to 23, with both t- plus 23 and minus 23 being possible. This player wins the hand. Since minus 21 is closer to t- minus 23, then 20 is to 23, minus 21 would trump positive 20. 
However, in a situation where both minus 21 and plus 21 are in play, the positive 21 would triumph. Scopa. That is Sabak. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that Sabak also has some complicated rules, so don't assume, just because I read a long thing, that it's Scopa. <laughs> the best possible hand you can be dealt is known as the Idiot's Array. Sabak. That is Sabak. Okay. <laughs> what, do you, what do you have so far? Four. Okay. At the end of the round, one point is assigned to the player who finishes with the most coin cards in their hand. Sabak. That is Scopa. Ah! Both, both have suits with coins. <laughs> so I thought I'd trick you with that. <laughs> uh, if, if a player can score a point in two different ways, the player must do so by playing the fewest number of cards. Scopa. That is Scopa. If at any point three or more cards of the same value are dealt face up, <laughs> the deal is considered in- invalid and the cards are redealt. Sabak. That is Scopa. Ah! God. There are <laughs> I told you it reminded me of it because they're they're weirdly similar. There are four phases within each hand: betting, calling, shifting, and drawing. Sabak. That is Sabak. When scoring occurs, sevens are the most valuable card in the deck. Scopa. Scopa. One variant of the game can be played as a team's game. Scopa. Scopa, yes. One variant of the game can be played using dice instead of cards. Sabak. Sabak, correct. Oh, I'm on a roll. When playing for money, players must pay into two separate pots prior to each hand. Sabak. That's Sabak. All right, ten. The game's deck of cards was originally used in fortune telling. Scopa. That is Sabak. Ah! And I had a good (laughs) run. Star Wars lore. I learned a lot from Wikipedia. Or Wikipedia, I should say. Excuse me. (laughs) This game's name is derived from a word for broom. Scopa. Scopa, yes. All right, eleven. In one popular... Now you should stop getting them right, because you got 11. In one popular variant of the game... Not like you'd know either way. If you don't know, you don't know. In one popular variant of the game, a player that plays an ace can claim all cards currently face up on the table as their own. Scopa. Scopa. In some locations, players can be fined by their local municipalities for being caught cheating at the game. Sabak. Sabak. <laughs> I love that rule. That's part of Star Wars lore. That's in Wikipedia. That you can be not not only fined, you can also be arrested and like and assassinated and killed, executed. I left that part out. They would have tipped it up. <laughs> uh, winning several hands in a row is called a whirlwind. Scopa. That's Scopa. And this this one's a gimme, so you're gonna do very well. The game was originally introduced in the novel Lando Calrissian and the Mineheart <laughs> of Sharu by Neil L. Smith. Sabak. Sabak. Correct. So Fifteen. Fifteen. That's very well done. All right. So. Okay. Let's let's deal some cards. I didn't. I wasn't shuffling, That's so I will right. shuffle now. Do you want to cut this deck? No. You have to get up for that. All right. I will cut it myself. I promise. This is properly it's shuffled. It's a fair deal. All right. So you're starting with 15. Yep. Dealer is dealing himself a 10 face up. Do you want to hit? I think the card says yes. I'm not sure. Uh, five against a 10 says yes. I'll take a card. All right. You're taking and you bust. Ah. Oh. So you've lost. You're, you're up against a 20 anyway, so. You lost. Nothing. Nothing you can do there. Burp, burp. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't remember which one. <laughs> I don't remember this whole thing being. I, I created the soundboard years ago for for <laughs> when we played Scorsese or or uh, Sopranos. I didn't remember all that being on the soundboard. Has it really been that long since we did? Oh, Cop it's been Man? at least two years. Man.
I think we're coming up on three years. Well, that was Stallone has a long filmography. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Well, you're one for two in these games now because I remember you winning uh, uh, Scorsese or Sopranos, and also this this is just in keeping with our luck of late, the two of us. So uh, I, I won this one today because this, this has just been my day with uh, without a doubt. Uh, okay, there you go. Right. We learned plenty about Sabak and Scopa. <laughs> I read up on Scopa, and then it's funny because it I made me finished think of season two of The Mandalorian today, so it was perfect in all oh, counts. I'm very curious to hear what you thought, but that's right. this is not the uh, venue not. for that. All right, ready right. for the body Let's count? Move on to the body count. This movie we only killed 48 people compared to the last one where we killed 119. All right, the body count. This is why we are here. So let's uh, let's get down to brass tacks. Yeah, so we'll have to talk about Oscar, the title character of this movie, and whether or not he was killed off screen. I think if he is. It probably occurs after the events of this movie. Uh, I think so, and we have generally also taken the position that if it is off-screen, we don't count it. So I, I do not think, yes. even if Oscar was killed, I do think he was. Well, generally, I would say if it's off-screen, but it's a character who has been introduced in the movie, if a character appears, and then we learn, oh, that guy died, and then the movie continues on, then we usually count it. Well, you'd have to learn that he dies. Here, it's ambiguous. Right. So I would say we can't count need confirmation count that yeah. the character died, whereas here, there's no confirmation. All and we have. If, if he is killed... It's after the wedding, yeah, so without a doubt, and the, the movie's over. So all I would say is the only one we really have is Kirk Douglas. We hardly knew you. That was the only body, but it was not a Stallone body. I forgot about Kirk Douglas, but it doesn't, not that it matters. <laughs> but I need to add him. That to was him. natural causes. I do not think you can blame uh, put that one on Stallone. Oh, definitely not. Well, but uh, possibly he, he was very, uh, you know, the consternation that he felt about because uh, there's all, all these jokes. We never talked about it, but it's just like, oh, so you want me to die or whatever? Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, so. We're comparing Arnold Schwarzenegger's body count to Sylvester Stallone. Arnold had an average body count of 14.39. So since Stallone has another goose egg here, he's still at, sitting at 491. Now across how many movies? I always mean to write this down, and I never do. 44. God, we've done 44 movies. Sure. We've got, uh, like <laughs> we've got a long 12 way to go more still. to go. Ooh, yes. I think 12 more. So now uh, Sylvester Stallone has an average body count of 11.16. I was kind of looking at the trend, and I think since Rambo 3... <laughs> Well, since Rambo, a lot of goose eggs. Since Rambo, comma the fourth one, actually, he was at eleven point nine five. He has not. He has been between eleven and twelve since. So he's been kind of fluctuating up and down in the eleven to twelve range. So um, I think that's probably where he's going to end up. I don't think he's going to. I think he's out of the running for average. I think you're I right. I don't think Rambo five can save him. So but. now, and, we, and we've talked. We don't remember cliffhanger. I, I don't. I don't think there's anything other than Rambo really left that there's going to be a lot other than maybe some potentially of these, Escape Plan three. Yeah, we just don't know on those. The uh, algorithm will do everything though. So <laughs> yeah, well, we have reports from uh, listeners that yes. algorithms have been have been excised from the Escape Plan <laughs> universe. So, All right, you ready to give an award? Let's do it. Oh, I didn't even think about this. I totally forgot to do this. So I'll just <laughs> think about it on the spot. <laughs> I'm clearly going first. Which damn mouse is it? Here we go. Outstanding achievement Explosion! I know, I know who I'm giving it to, but you go ahead. The Wrecking Crew Award, the uh, award we give to the character who wrecked the most shop in the movie. I'm very excited that William Atherton is in a movie that uh, has... That's true, yeah. It's, it's very, very, very exciting. I did not give it to William Atherton, although if I hadn't... If I didn't come up with who I did, I probably would have given it to William Atherton just because he's in the opening <laughs> he's music. In, he's in the yeah, sound yes. drop there. Uh, but for me, I am going to give it to <clears throat> Kurtwood Smith, Lieutenant Toomey, because his orders cause a car wreck, and That's so true. I think he wrecked the most shop in this movie. That is true. 
because there's not much shop wrecked. No, there isn't. Well, but I think mostly um, the damage is to people's psyches in this movie, and so I am going to. I don't think I don't think I've ever given it to anything this abstract before, but oh, I'm going yeah. to give the Wrecking Crew Award to Wacky Misunderstandings. <laughs> Congratulations, Wacky Misunderstandings. <laughs> that is easily the most abstract you've ever done. It's it, that's the thing that uh, has caused the most damage because. Everything was caused by wacky misunderstandings. It, it, it's know. a series of events, that's for sure. And literally dozens and dozens of improbable misunderstandings. I think that's the thing that is at least driving the plot forward. All right, it's time for a rating. Let's rate it. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad-mouthing my film. All right, the Rocky rating, where we rate the movie based on Rocky opponents from Apollo Creed to Spider Rico. <laughs> You're going to hate me, so go, you go first. All right, uh, I, I could not give this a Spider Rico. It is not an unwatchable movie. There were some charming moments. It is not a good movie either. It is also, for me, not Ivan Drago. There's not kind of, you know, I, I know it's a farce, but it's it's not cartoonish, at least to me. So I went with a Tommy Gunn for this one. Okay. If you give this thing an Apollo Creed, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm not going to give it an Apollo Creed. I'm going to give it an Ivan Drago. Oh, you're right. I, I can understand that. It's not that it's, farce. it's not that it's so bad that it's good. I actually yeah. think this is a good movie. I, I genuinely really loved it. But yeah, it's it's not to be taken seriously in that same way that maybe I, can, I, can I that. love Rocky Four for the same reasons of just like, this is absurd and silly. <laughs> And uh, I love it because of it. I don't love it as much as Rocky Four. I love Rocky Four a lot. I like this movie a lot. But I liked it in the same way. Just All right. like, this is silly, the, I, and I love it. I, I like that rating. I, I can appreciate that. Okay. Even though we disagree on, I don't think it's as good of a movie and didn't enjoy it as much. I can, I can agree. This is a way for me to ad- agree to disagree, maybe even to meet you halfway. How dare you. <laughs> All right, so we are, I guess we're taking a break here. So we're, we're going to do a little bit of a bonus episode we were talking about, correct? Yeah, so with this last season being longer than normal, we've been, what we've been doing is two blocks of six most seasons. We'll do a block of six, and we'll take a quick break, and then we'll do the rest of the season, and then we'll, we would take a longer break. But since we have 16 movies, I think, at least 16, I think we might even be 17. Hopefully not more coming out. I think we're 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 finally catching up. We're <laughs> Stallone can't put out movies this fast, um, even though we are going pretty slow lately. But still, um, yeah. So we're gonna do four blocks of four this past season. I mean, the, with the holidays, it's tough, and also just a lot going on. So this, the good this season is, is going to be stretched out even longer than normal. Yeah. Not only because it's longer, but because we, unfortunately we just it's the reality is we have to go a little slower. But yeah. But the good news is we have a perfect bonus episode to do with this season, having done Judge Dread. Yep. Earlier this uh, season, actually not that long, it was the episode before this one, we've got The Perfect in Dread. I don't know, that that movie's probably f- six years old now? I don't Oh, I think older than that. I is it really? Like 2011, 2012, something like that? Yeah, talk about different, it could not be more night and day in terms of tone. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I enjoyed Dread when I saw it. I also enjoyed it when I saw it, and I don't remember much about it. I, don't, I remember enjoying it and oh, it was really? good. And then it's like, I, 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 I remember Cersei Lannister is in it. And I remember thinking it was fun. It's very much The Raid, if you've ever seen The Raid. I've not seen The Raid. I need to see it. Really? I, oh, The Raid it's, is, it's a, on my list. Is, a, is, a, is a very good action film. That's, I've always heard that, but yeah. uh, I never even saw it. And The Raid prop may very well and probably did come out first. So I'm going to guess Dread stole from The Raid. I actually don't know that for 100%. That sounds but, right. Yeah, yeah, The Raid's 
Yeah, it's been out. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna cover Dread. I think the plan is one bonus episode, and then we'll uh, get back to it. It's gonna be my pick, and I've got uh, I've got that ready to go. But okay, looking forward to Dread. So yeah, so since it'll be a break, I, I think expect that expect Dread in four weeks, and then we'll be back after that with another block of four episodes every two weeks. That I think that'll be the cadence for the rest of the season. All right. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so if you've enjoyed the show, please like us on your podcast app of choice. Maybe write us a favorable review or let us know what you think on Twitter at Arms Race Podcast. Yeah, and uh, if you like the show and you think you know someone else who might like the show, we're, we're coming to the end. So get everyone on board for the grand finale. <laughs> I don't know how soon we'll get to that grand finale, but um, <laughs> we'll get now? there eventually. We're coming up with the, the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I didn't realize we were ending this, man. That's that's saddening that it's, I'm it's, just finding this out. We're not. We're we're we're, we're approaching. We're getting close enough that it, I'm starting to think about it. Oh. But we're not. We're not close yet. At least another six. If you figure we're, we got 12, 12 episodes left, that's three months right there. Well, no, that's that's every two weeks is what? That's twenty four weeks. Yeah, that's not even including breaks. So there you go. All right, we got a ways to go. But anyway, we'll be back with dread.